1: Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on LinkedIn.com slash achieve today.
2: Hello and welcome to Cinematic Universe, the comic book movie podcast that's with you to the end of the line. I'm Joe Cunningham and joining me to help make sense of the comics behind the movies are
1: said Patrick and James Hunt.
2: Uh, we're just going to throw away our format this week, guys, because we're <laughs> going to talk about uh, Avengers Endgame, which um, there's a lot to talk about, and it kind of feels like, um, in some way, a culmination for this podcast. Uh, it's one of the reasons that we exist. So we're just going to uh, we're just going to kind of throw ourselves right into it. But before that, Seb is going to explain to you a cast. <laughs> Uh
3: yes just to a little bit of housekeeping up top which is to say that um as of this episode onwards uh we are delighted to be members of the Acast podcasting Family slash platform um in terms of your usually changing hosting platform wouldn't make a big difference, but in ter- to the listener, but in terms of your experience, what it means is that from now on, episodes might or might probably have ads on uh, at the beginning somewhere in the middle, and uh probably at the end and so if you've just heard an ad and you're confused as to why there's suddenly ads on this podcast uh that is the reason why um but we also thus wanted to mention and get it out of the way up top that as a result of moving onto this platform something that we're able to do is give a bit of added benefit to our patreon backers and so if you back us on patreon um at the two dollar level or above you'll get to hear the episodes without those ads on sorry acast uh yes if you'd like to back us on patreon or if you already do that's your benefit there otherwise patreon.com cinematic universe Sorry, yeah, that is the address. Patreon.com <laughs> slash cinematic universe. Uh, otherwise you can put up with the uh, unobtrusive and generally actually fine adverts that we get as a result of being on the lovely and brilliant ACAST.
2: Right, can we talk about Endgame now? <laughs> <laughs> that was alright, wasn't it? I watched I watched this <laughs> at a midnight amazing. screening uh on the Thursday night. I know James, you saw it uh at a press screening and then saw it again on Thursday. James yes. had seen it twice
3: before I saw
2: it once. Uh, so so had I, <laughs> so <Steph. do> you. <laughs> <laughs> I went on Thursday at midnight, had booked, had booked Thursday off work, um, I went with former podcast Reese, and then we got up on Thursday and uh, I took my wife and we went back to see it again in the evening. Uh, but mostly because I watched it and I was like, I, I, I came out and I was like, right, okay, it's 3am. That was, it was huge, but I kind of, I, I, I kind of found it very satisfying, but was it a good movie? I kind of feel like it probably was, but I am in no state to objectively say whether that was a good movie or not. Um and I went back and watched it again and kinda of went, Oh no, I really fucking love that. <laughs> it is, I, I I it's hard to throw it into the rankings right now, but I it's it's got to be top two or three. It has to be.
3: I I haven't had the the benefit of seeing it twice because I'm as we record this now I'm only just over 24 hours out of my first viewing because uh, it was my daughter's birthday the day that it was released so that That's no very selfish of her it was incredibly selfish of her to be born exactly four years prior to the release date of, <laughs> of Avengers Endgame uh, it's obviously because she's a DC fan because her name's Lois um, <laughs> but yeah so I you know I I managed to get through uh, unspoiled apart from some some little character details some basically the the post jump status quo was ruined by the Guardians review uh, but apart from that I, I had managed to avoid absolutely everything uh, it, was, it was a tough 24-48 hours but you know, very very satisfying to get there And so I, I haven't had the benefit that you guys have had of that second viewing to actually be able to properly start to think about and judge it because I think at the moment where I'm just coming from with it is, where, where how I felt throughout a lot of it was I don't know if I'm going to enjoy rewatching this as much as Infinity War uh, on a kind of moment-to-moment basis because there were just so many moments where I was like, "God, this is so tough to watch and so emotionally <laughs> draining." But 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 then coming out of the film, because of the end, all I can think about is the end, and that that just completely overpowers every other feeling that I have about the film. And and actually makes me more inclined to want to rewatch it just so I can see the end again. See, you uh, see, yeah.
2: I I mean, we're gonna have this argument. I think that this is such a superior film to Infinity War, and it retroactively makes me like Infinity War less. Now, Infinity War <laughs> is fun, but I remember walking out of that and going like, "Well, it's not a movie. It's it it it's not a movie. It is this big comic book crossover." And I guess it <laughs> yeah, succeeds nice. on those t- it <laughs> succeeds on those terms. But I guess that if you're making a movie that's this big and has that many characters, that's what it has to be. Um, but w- when I look back in it, it is a lot of plot and banter. That's what mm. Infinity War feels like to me. It is here are characters thrown together. These action figures are over there. These action figures are over there. And we get to that big ending. But here I'm watching characters that I am, by and large, more invested in than the, the characters that get more prominence in Infinity War. And I'm watching characters whose relationships I'm invested in on screen together. Mm. I'm getting emotional resolution to arcs that have lasted 11 years on screen. And I'm getting a, a movie that, considering it is dealing with like thematically grief, loss... Uh, just grappling with one's own failure. Um, this is a goofy movie that is silly and fun, and like, I know that there are. Like sad things that happen in this movie, but to me, I walked out of this feeling like that feels like a celebration of mm. all of the things that I have loved about this franchise for the past decade.
3: I mean, I I think I would I think I would agree with you, you know, because I'm I'm going to let us throw over to James for the dissenting view. <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, but I do th- I mean, without that that benefit of that second view in, I think I would probably agree with you that I in in the terms of I think it functions better as a as a movie. Infinity War because that, all that stuff we talked about with Infinity War of it was amazing but it was so unlike a movie in so many ways that it was hard to judge it as one I think this functions better structurally as a movie I don't think anyone would for that. Any,
1: I don't think anyone would disagree with that certainly I wouldn't disagree with that uh, like the thing is as much as I love Endgame it is extremely conventional in the sense of hey this is a movie <laughs> mm. whereas like this feels like an Avengers movie whereas Infinity War felt like a a comic (laughs) crossover come to life and i respected that so much in that they just went you know all this stuff we don't need to pretend you know we don't need to service the arcs for people who haven't seen the previous Mm. films we don't need to set up who peggy carter is we just you know throw in all these ideas and off it goes
3: you're you're right that this um I mean, I would I would still I would still love to know what it's like to watch this without prior knowledge, but this oh. definitely doesn't assume that you've necessarily seen every previous film. I think it, it obviously assumes that you've seen Infinity War. Um but it yeah, it doesn't have that sense of <laughs> It makes
2: Infinity War kind of feel a little bit it, like less essential to me. Like it's like it's like, what do you need to know from Infinity War? They all got dusted. Right, yeah. okay. <laughs> well, yeah. it's
3: like I I just can't get over and just just to kind of just launch very quickly into a, a plot thing. Imagine explaining to somebody that in like the opening, what like fifteen minutes or so <laughs> of a movie, <laughs> um, the Avengers go into space. Most of them go into space for the first time in their lives. <laughs> they go into deep space. They track down Thanos, and Thor chops Thanos's head off imagine explaining to someone that that happens in the first which it's probably not 15 minutes it's probably more like half an hour isn't it but
1: no it's very is... quick it's like the first yeah. 15 yeah. 20 minutes yeah.
3: that's yeah. a whole movie's plot in
1: like an episode <laughs> of loves, TV show. i loved that as an opening like they're more getting together going okay let's sort this out they go up to space they find out they're fucked and then they kill thanos and then they're like oh now what yeah and, like that, that is a whole
3: that's... movie that's that's just the premise of this movie. Yeah. The setup for this movie is a whole movie in itself. Yeah, mm-hmm.
2: I I will say I I kind of understand what James means when he says it's more conventional. And I'm gonna this is my humble brag moment. But I I I was we I was in um I was in my Uber heading to sound with Reese, and I was saying, look, this is <laughs> this is what I think happens at, in the first like half hour of the movie. I think. Someone saves Tony. Tony comes back to Earth. All the Avengers go back to kill Thanos, and they do it. And then they go, "Oh, but wait, we still don't know how to bring the people back." And then yeah. you have, <laughs> and then you have the time jump. And then because we knew the time we'd travel all stuff, that
3: apart from the scale of the time jump, but let's mm. get to that. Yes. Yeah,
2: so the scale of the time jump, I had no idea and when it came up with five I was like well I guess it has to be months but I thought it would be more than five months and then it goes years and I went no wait far? what oh, shit. <laughs> yeah um but then yeah the time travel stuff a- again like New York felt like a safe bet I thought 1945 but they do 1970 and then I guess they had to go to Thor the Dark World so that was that was fun but uh, like and then I-, I-, I would say that I hadn't figured out the how they got Thanos back into it but I figured that they would have to you know you he's still the villain he still has to be the guy at the end you're not going to introduce a different threat at that point um and then obviously as our as our listeners will know um kind of the end end of the movie was something that we had been rooting for for two years on this podcast. <laughs> Quite just, a long
1: time, certainly. So
2: like, as, as I, was I mean, going, the thing is,
1: it, it's such an obvious—well, not an obvious—but it's like it's not, though, it's, is it? It's the ending you want for the character, right?
2: Yes. Yes. Yeah. Is yeah. that
1: somehow he he, as a reward for defeating everything and for you know sacrificing his entire life, he gets to to come back and have that dance that he missed. Like that's the reward.
3: I just, while it obviously feels so right, um, and, and we all know that, and we discuss the reasons why. I just can't believe that it actually that. And that just, mm. I'm still 24 hours later. I am actually in disbelief that that was the final shot of this film. It's just gorgeous as well. On my way, I was saying, I was actually saying to Joe about, how, as in my wife Joe, not this Joe, um, mm. about how I had been thinking um, about like the version of Endgame that I was expecting, and I was getting emotional thinking about the version of the film that i expected never mind like the actual one that i was gonna see <laughs> and i was i was getting emotional thinking about the things that might happen and that was one of them but i didn't actually expect that it actually would i'm just i, I you know and obviously there, there were points um... at which i knew it probably would you know as soon as he said as soon as they started talking about the time travel thing and as soon as they said about and then you've got to come back i was like i actually turned to joe and i went he's going to do something here. I know what he's going to do. Yeah. And, and <laughs> See, I'm, not one, for me, I'm not one for talking during the film, but there were a couple of moments where I was whispering to Joe, like, I think I was, what's coming in, not saying it, but just saying that I had a thought. And even then that you, so, so he does it and he goes, and then you have the whole old man bit. I know we are going to come to all of this in more detail. I just kind of want to get my emotions about it out now. Um, And then I almost thought that they'd swerved it because I thought they're just going to leave it. They're just going to imply because we've Mm. already had our emotional moment of seeing her earlier in the film. And I thought that was all we were going to get when we got it. Um, And then, you know, you see the wedding ring and Sam goes, do you want to tell me about her? And he goes, no. And I was just like, "Oh, okay." so they're just going to they're going to give us a little hint, but they're not going to actually show it. And I'm kind of all right with that. I'm reconciled to that. And then you know the the music and showing the house and as soon as it started showing the house was i i had had, I'd had moments of tears elsewhere in the film struggling to hold things back and that was the moment where i just absolutely completely lost it <laughs> uh, even before you saw the two of them i knew what we were going to see inside the house and i just absolutely lost it
1: as, like for me as soon as as soon as they had him look at the pocket watch with Peggy in, I was like, "Well, they're obviously <laughs> going to do it now because why? Why would they put it that prominent? Like, and and why would he mention her yeah. at the support group?" And, yeah, exactly. Yeah. And then show it like they threaded her through the movie so much yeah. that it was pretty inevitable by the time they actually got to it. I think.
2: I I also did wonder whether what we would see when like um, Bucky was nodding across would be a gravestone, perhaps with the with their names together. Um, but I think I think that actually showing it and playing that music it's just executed in in a in a lovely way and to have that music playing over the end credits as well. I mean I don't know if you any of you guys were film familiar with that song. Um it's been a long, long time. I think this is the Harry James and Kitty Callan version. Um <laughs> according to IMDB anyway um and it is a song that was about soldiers who return to their loved ones after wartime and i'm just going to read you the lyrics because it's it's gorgeous never thought that you would be standing here so close to me there's so much i feel that i should say but words can wait until some other day kiss me once then kiss me twice then kiss me once again it's been a long long time haven't felt like this my dear since i can remember when it's been a long long time You'll never know how many dreams I've dreamed about you or just how empty they all seemed without you. So kiss me once, then kiss me twice, then kiss me once again. It's been a long, long time. Oh, my heart melts. <laughs> <laughs> and, you know, like, obviously, I have been invested in that relationship and that movie um, for for a while. And, like, yes, Cap and Sam have that moment at the end, but to have that as the... As like the thing that the franchise acknowledges is kind of like that's that's ultimately like what drives that character. That is the most important grace note for that character. Um, it's it's not often that like the the pop culture that you engage with. Um, kind of lines up so perfectly with what you want it to do and i don't know whether
1: just ask anyone who is a fan of the Stephen bucky friendship
2: (laughs) yes i I, I think it's a long-held truism
3: that fans don't always actually know best what they want it's like what you think you want from something isn't necessarily the right thing and usually what gets delivered is more likely to be the right thing (laughs) than the version that you had cooked up in your head and that's why it's so surprising to get the version that we'd cooked up in and our And also
2: heads. that, you know, like, Captain America the First Avenger is one of the lowest grossing movies in the MCU. Agent <laughs> Carter struggled ratings-wise for two seasons and was, was ultimately cancelled. Um, and the only Marvel
3: TV character to <laughs> get yes! into the movies was Edwin Jarvis.
1: That was, that was probably my favourite thing in the uh, movie, just because you just know, like most people did not even catch that because mm. agent Carter season two, despite being the best season of Marvel TV that I've seen. Yeah. Was so like critically ignored. Yeah. And yeah,
3: there uh, he is. Uh, this was our agent Carter season three.
2: Yeah. <laughs> I'll take it. I have a que- I have a question for you guys. Now we're, we're probably going to have to get into time travel and rules of time travel at some point in this podcast, because um, I, as much as I love the movie, I think, The time travel stuff is messy. They don't make the rules of time travel as clear as they could, and it also have their cake and eat it. Yes, and it also seems (laughs) to kind of leave a lot of questions for movies moving for for the for the MCU moving forward. (laughs) Oh boy, (laughs) time travel is such a big thing to leave on the table. You kind of feel like one of the next movies has to deal with how it how it gets taken off the table again because <laughs> like would we not go just go back in time and, and stop that thing from happening yeah i guess we would okay <laughs> um I, I mean we don't before... we, can, we can get into it i think because i think the specific points in the plot where those questions need to be asked but my my question on the time travel is so cap goes back in time he goes back to those various points in history and returns the infinity stone to where they were do you think that Cap went back to 1970 for Peggy or do you think that he goes back to the 40s again?
3: Uh, judging by the footage and the house it felt to me like he goes right the way back. But
1: I see um, that's interesting. I assumed he went back to 1970. Maybe I he does,
2: did. Yeah. But Peggy would be like 55 60 at that point I think. Would she?
1: Yeah, but then she also dies, you know, well before him.
3: Mm. Well, that's see, that answers to, to my question, which is Does um, camp age normally? Well, no, but well, there's that, but also in Winter Soldier, when um, a young Steve is visiting an elderly Peggy, is she really confused by the fact that her <laughs> uh, old Steve husband <laughs> is still around and alive at that point? I mean, Listen, I don't that's a bit know. Cruel on her.
2: I don't know what. The, how do you think the time travel stuff works here? Because it I don't think they. they, no. they no yeah, they
1: explicitly say in the film, like, you can't change the past because the past has already happened. So any attempts to like reconcile this with a sort of traditional like mm. causal idea of causality is not going to yeah, happen. Yeah, with
3: well, cap they- I, th- I think with I think the thing is with different scenarios they actually apply different rules, right? So when it comes to cap um the I, the suggestion or at least the the implication that I got was he does that but it sort of sets things up to happen as they always happen. So Peggy's husband was always Steve and Steve Mm. was Steve has always coexisted you know he just we didn't know about it kind of thing he put himself back in the timeline <laughs> that's your kind of that's off that's kind of how doctor who tends to do it is the sort of you know time is actually that's fixed all, yeah. and when you go and interfere in the past you're not actually changing the past you're actually just making the past happen i mean that's fine happens.
1: except but, for the rest yes, of the film which explicitly exactly. has this scene where they talk about how you're just creating alternate well, no, universes. No, no,
3: because the thing about that scene is that that scene gives you two possibilities and doesn't tell you which one is correct. Mm. Because the ancient one says, if you take this time stone, you are creating a branching-off timeline. Uh, and Bruce says, yeah, but we're going to bring the stone back and that will reset the timeline to how it was, just that we've gone off and done this diversion. And the film never comes down on the side of which one is correct. Not least because Nebula kills her past self and doesn't cease to exist. And so, so yeah, I up to that point the film has kind of pretended that it's got back to the future rules.
1: Yeah. Well no, 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 uh, it, no. it explicitly explicitly says early on we're not back to the future. Like it says you can't you can't do back to no, the but future to the past. But then it is. To the past. Then they do back no, no, to the no. <laughs> he, he like Hulk specifically says time travel isn't like back to the future.
2: Yeah, right yeah, so man, I, one of them I says I think almost what the what what the implication is, right, is that Time is linear almost in the way that people travel through it. So all of those things are already ha- have already happened, and the events of the movies that you saw the first time around all happened. So when Cap goes back in time, that's almost the future, but it's in the past. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? <laughs> so well, this is
1: this is the thing, right? It, it's, what it does is say, it you can't change the past... Yeah. And even if stuff changes in the past, it doesn't matter because, you know, Loki escapes and Nebula gets killed.
2: Yes. Yeah, so, so also Loki, then Captain America goes back dies. to the past
1: and is still in our universe, right? That's the thing that breaks it. Yeah, yeah. And, that, like, it's emotionally true that Captain America goes back to the past and then lives to the present day and, you know, doesn't ruin reality. Mm. But it, it is an example of the film not following its own rules.
2: Yeah, and uh, but you know what? I'm fine with it.
1: <laughs> yeah, like who cares? Like, yeah, I honestly, I, I,
2: it doesn't. I, matter, I really does don't it. care because I mean the the movie. If if what they if what they establish is there was time travel that's happened and we're going back to do all of this fun stuff that works for this movie, but still means that all of the events of the previous movies that you enjoyed happened. Then great, that that works for me. And yeah, if, yeah, if my brain hurts trying to figure other stuff out. That's equally fine. Like so, and and similarly with the with Loki grabbing the uh, space stone. I think Loki's still dead, but there is a version of Loki who had other adventures during that point, and I think we're going to see them on Disney Plus. <laughs> I mean, the mo- I always, I've always thought the most sensible way to treat
3: time travel is that if, if any time that people go back, well, you either do it one of two ways: you either do it the whatever you do doesn't actually change; it just happens as it was meant to, or you do the if you make a change to what you know to something where you know you've made a change to the past that you know to have happened you are creating an alternate timeline hmm. and 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 from then on you only exist in that ultimate timeline uh, that alternate timeline and the other timeline before you changed it continues to exist without you kind of thing
1: i mean this is is going to keep youtubers in like <laughs> you know like fucking mistakes the m game made videos for the rest of the year but i don't think it matters to us
2: it doesn't. It, it just doesn't matter when you get when you get the because the time travel sequences I think are uh, largely really really good, uh, really emotionally satisfying, funny, um, and uh, and the, and at the same time you get a really gorgeous ending that feels the like the perfect way to end this movie and end end this uh infinity Ca- saga well and the characters <laughs> well yes um so i yeah i'm fine with it i'm completely fine with it <laughs> so um <laughs> there's another thing that happens at the end of the movie um and i think we should talk about this first as well we are we are going to go through and talk about mm-hmm. stuff in detail because i think it's the uh, it's, this is a movie that kind of each scene and each sequence kind of deserves a little bit of discussion but um obviously we also see the death of iron man at the end of the movie um, what <laughs> so Spoilers. we get the we get the um i am iron man which uh the third time i think he said that in the mcu um mm-hmm. i'd i'd rank this as the mm, second best time that he said it i don't know (laughs) which one's the best i don't know they're all really good that's the problem (laughs) they're all really really good like one is one is the like the moment that shapes the mcu where he announces himself one is the brilliant thematic conclusion to iron man 3 and this one is like saving the universe um so yeah iron man dies we see his funeral um we get him kind of narrating things for a little bit as, as his hologrammatic self. Um, and I, I know Tony Stark is a, is a controversial character. I know some people aren't huge fans of him. I've always found him a fascinating character. And especially last year when I went through that, you know, watching all of the movies back to back, um, the cap and tony arcs i found really fascinating cuz cap is a character who has this fixed moral center and the world changes around him and he remains the same he just kind of like well i have this moral outlook and i'm going to keep following that outlook no matter what is surrounding me whereas tony stark is a very reactive character and he he kind of he kind of He kind of always feels like he's operating on the back foot to an extent that like something happens and he goes, right, well, because of that, I need to do this. And so you see him in Iron Man 3, the the PTSD version of Tony kind of reacting to what he's seen in the Avengers and that's a movie that kind of goes small scale and goes like, well, Tony kind of goes into overdrive going like, how do I protect the people around me? How do I protect happy? Who's just been blown up at the Chinese theater. How do I protect pepper? Who's the person I care most about in the world? Because if I can't protect them, how can I possibly protect the world? And then in age of Ultron, you see him still like kind of driven by that fear, that fear trying to create that, the suit of armor around the world that he talks about in this movie you see him then in Civil War, driven by the guilt of what he did in Age of Ultron. Um, and then you see him in this movie. At the start, he kind of gives up. Like, he, he for the first time, he goes, I failed. I wasn't good enough. I'm just going to go off and live my life kind of peacefully um, and kind of really needs to get dragged into it. But I just thought it was a, a like a really perfect conclusion for that character again to for him to be for him to be the one that saves the day for him to be, because of for him to make the sacrifice play which again is something that has been thematically important for that character but also for him to sacrifice himself after he's seen that that suit of armor around the world has been created and it's been created by 21 movies of <laughs> marvel origins you know and all all of these characters and all these different worlds that we've we've seen collide into this movie and literally when the portals are opening through the sky it looks like a it looks like a suit of armor around the world Mm -hmm. um and then when you know pepper says to him it's going to be okay you know you can rest now we'll be okay yeah yeah we'll be okay because because Mm -hmm. of what you've done um, because this is a character who has always had to feel like he needs to be doing something. Um, and I, I, you know, I, it, I, I did find it genuinely touching. I found the, the God, the Peter Parker moments in this movie. <laughs> oh my God. The picture at the start. I was going to say like the, the, f- the
1: fact that one of the first things he says to Cap is I lost the kid. Ah, oh. like Jesus
2: Christ. And I will also say, one of the moments that really got me was when the other kid turned up and Harley was at the funeral at the end. Again, kind of... <laughs> I uh, didn't know. I didn't recognise
1: him. I only knew it was <laughs> him because I knew he, knew was, I knew he was in, in it. Yeah, I was He's like, oh, that, must be, young man that must be Tyson Kins, but I didn't recognise him at all.
3: Yeah. Well, I mean, speak, I mean to be honest, the, the stuff that probably got me the most with Tony was the stuff about the third kid, which was his kid. Yeah, his, his kid. kid. But I also, well, I mean, yeah. just aside from the emotional stuff involving that, which we'll come on to, I did just want to make the point actually that because we talked, at, you you talked at the start about um, how a lot of the structure and so on of this was was kind of predictable and not predictable in a negative sense. Just you know, it was it was possible to work out kind of where the beats were going to go.
2: When you are obsessed um, with, a, with a franchise and a movie and thinking about the possibilities, yes,
3: yeah, and when they jump five years later um and given the number of characters who've died who we know have got to come back in some way and given that the world will have changed so irrevocably mm. you immediately think oh well I, I think it would be possible to spend the entire film going yeah but this doesn't really matter because we've got time travel we've got infinity stones eventually mm. this is all going to get reversed <laughs> i and we're mean gonna go back I... to a point before all of this happened yeah i, I assume it, it's all going to be fine
1: i assume yeah. that was going to happen and I was even more sure of it when Thanos showed up and was like, "Yeah, oh, I'm going to, in that case, I'm going to remake the universe. I was like, okay, so oh, well, Tony, Tony's going to get the gauntlet, he'll remake the universe, oh, back no, no, how no. it was. Well, no, 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 by
3: then it wasn't going to happen. The moment they introduced Tony's daughter, yeah, that can't happen. I uh, know, no, so no, no. That but was I... such a clever piece of, you know, I, as I say, I think that was the point where it was like, oh, there are stakes here and I don't know which scenario... Is is worse, and that's the whole point. Is it sets up Tony making that decision? But yeah. up until that point, I had always, you know, right through Infinity War and through the end of Infinity War, my assumption was this will just get actually reversed time wise. We'll get put back to where we were. And when they said the five year later yeah. jump, I felt even more strongly. I didn't think this film was going to end in the year twenty twenty three. No, no, no. I, I mean, I, I would, just assumed right back where we are. I so just as assumed as introduce her. They can't wipe out that timeline.
1: You well, no, they, it's it's that. an infinity. Gauntlet, though they can do whatever they want. That was I assumed they would. Yeah, no, they no, 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 would. No. Ha- they would just like <laughs> transplant Tony to the new universe with his daughter and his family, and maybe without Iron Man existing. No, because yeah, that, the, re- the, the whole
2: reason, the whole reason for that it. first act is to establish those stakes. And yeah, yeah it's, it's to establish it's... that we're not just going
3: to rewind time. We've got and to and do I something think... different than
2: rewinding yeah. time. So, and I, I think the whole again for Tony Stark legacy has been an important thing since uh Captain America Civil War since you get that that scene at MIT at the start when he's giving out that grant and finding Peter and kind of uh, like trying to trying to mentor Peter um through that and through Homecoming um and then to to have his daughter introduced And, and family also feels like an important thing in this movie because loss and because opening on the Hawkeye scene as well and and really hammering <laughs> home that all of these people have like have lost people that are important to them and I they need, need to come... talk about that
1: scene at some point uh, well,
2: well we'll get to it soon but that you, <laughs> but needing to bring them all back you can't say it is so important to bring all these characters back but have tony's daughter like as some as as a as a character who can be white from existence it just doesn't it, it felt like emotionally those had to be the stakes and that you they had to figure out a way to get to get to the the characters being brought being brought back but in the present day and they obviously well, this is did what i mean no. managed i managed just... to bring thanos back into the present day as well to have that fi- to have that final showdown
1: like it just seemed to me as though they were you know obviously they set up that conflict with the character but that was what to me made it obvious that he was gonna get the Infinity Gauntlet at some point, like as if that wasn't obvious from the start of Infinity War. That they could just go Well, this is how we're doing it, like Tony's gonna get his Tony's gonna get his daughter and stop being Iron Man, and that's why he will never be Iron Man again, because he's got a daughter instead. Like I, I genuinely thought he was gonna live up until he died. <laughs>
2: Yeah, I, well, i I didn't fi- I didn't know that he would die, but yeah, it just felt like the daughter meant that you couldn't reset things.
1: I mean, the fact that they didn't reset things is like pretty ballsy, and also, yeah,
2: yeah.
1: I'm <laughs> yeah. I'm slightly concerned they have fundamentally broken the Marvel Cinematic Universe, which, in a way, is
0: you know, um, it's exciting
1: so. because what they've done is is something that like change fundamentally changes the the setting of all future movies but also the way they've done it is like well that made sense for this movie and we'll figure out the rest later so in a way it's kind of to be applauded that they they
2: were thinking about that primarily so we were discussing this afterwards and uh, like it felt like the movie made problems for itself intentionally almost like the, the the time jump it didn't have to be five years they they decided on five years and they made the decision for it to not reset afterwards because they could have, as you said, they could have established rules and ways of getting around that, that everyone got returned to 2017, 2018 and uh, the characters that had been born since also came back because Tony had the gauntlet and he could manipulate reality however he wanted. And again, the time travel rules, it felt like you could be, you could be a bit more explicit and kind of a bit more like... This is how this fixes things. But they didn't. And they didn't in a way that I I I felt like had been done almost intentionally. Like they'd made things more difficult for themselves almost intentionally, because maybe they want a five-year time gap for the movies that are upcoming. Maybe they <laughs> <bit> want, like- <laughs> Maybe they want that bit of that maybe they, they want that bit of time to play with. Maybe that is a, a sequence in which, you know, you can have the birth of mutants and the and the the arrival of the Fantastic Four, or maybe it's just that you kind of you want to be able to do some hand wavy stuff as well. Because the other thing that I was thinking about is every character who didn't get dusted is now five years older than the characters who've been returned. Mm. So like, say, I don't know, Spider-Man's classmates, for example. Yep. Half, Betty... half of his class have gone <laughs> to college. Yeah. <laughs> like it might be like the but um... none of the ones in Far
3: From Home have.
1: Well, this is like yes, Far From yeah. Home assuming right that that this sticks and far from home is set after this are they gonna be like okay for a start this was one of my problems with the netflix shows which is that they used to constantly sort of reference oh yeah the incident but not every conversation that they ever had in the netflix shows was hey it's fucking crazy that aliens exist isn't it (laughs) like you would imagine and so now, like, are we supposed to believe they're just swanning off around Europe for a bit of a, like, school jolly and they're talking about things other than, holy shit, remember when we were dead for five years? To
3: be fair, <laughs> comics have to function on that premise. That <laughs>
1: yeah, yeah, yeah.
3: People don't just yeah. talk about all the weird shit. Also, what I, th- I do think it's really interesting, and I actually do kind of have a, a, a thought on this, about how, um, you know, we already know that Far From Home exists. We already know quite a lot about it, although probably maybe not as much as we think we do. And most people probably had trailers for Far From Home prior to Endgame. I I certainly did. And I think it's... Well, I think there's one of two things. Either Marvel don't really want it that way, but they kind of have to because Sony want to get this film out. Or I do think there is a point of like the end game is such an end it's you know and and the the way it does the credits the way it does the ending with steve everything about it has this enormous sense of finality to it and finality is not very good commercially um and what what I liken it to is a a thing where Russell T Dav- that Russell T Davis talked about in his book The Writer's Tale, where he talked about how at the end of every one of his series of Doctor Who, you had an ending and you had a kind of an emotional ending. Um, and then he would have the moment that queued up the the Christmas special that followed the series. You had uh, Catherine Tate appearing in the TARDIS, and then you had the Titanic crashing into the TARDIS, and you had David Tennant going, what, what? And he said the whole... Because there was a whole conversation in the book about yeah he was going to do that at the end of series 4 which has got a massively emotional ending and ends with like david tennant's doctor drenched in the rain and, and basically crying and and it's like a proper downer of an ending and in in the in this book over the course of these emails he they have a conversation that actually um culminates in in russell deciding not to have the the tacked on scene that he was going to have leading into the next christmas special but he said the reason he did that was so important because For the kids watching, you needed to not feel like this was an end and this was a downer. You needed to always know that the next adventures were coming along. And I think that, you know, Endgame had to end the way it ended and and doesn't have a post-credits tease or anything like that. And that's right and proper. But there has to be something in the world that says to 10-year-olds come back for the next one um and i think far from home i think that's the purpose of far from home is to do that is to say to you look there is a future you don't know what the shape of the rest of it is but we are carrying on
2: yeah yeah um and, and i would imagine that far from home deals with this in some way but yeah, next, probably very ne-
1: quickly
3: i
2: was the gonna start. say i don't think it'll deal yeah. with it in a massive way at all
1: i mean it certainly puts that oh he's like he's like thor and iron man comment <laughs> oh, was it Doctor Strange and Iron Man?
3: No, he's, it's, he's like he's like Thor and Iron Man. He doesn't compare him to Doctor Strange, which is quite funny because the one he looks like the most. Yeah, but, no, but like Thor
1: certainly you Man. can imagine in a world where Iron Man is gone, kids will be looking for the next <laughs> Iron Man, and it makes it all the more clear that Mysterio is going to be posing as a hero. Oh yeah. <laughs>
2: anyway, so, so so just go back to kind of the the emotional stuff with Iron Man at the end. Um, I thought the. Uh, it felt appropriate that you got kind of the iron man and cap scenes at the end um we'll get to the the death of black widow as the movie progresses i presume the reason that we don't get kind of any extended loss of black widow stuff is because she has a prequel movie coming and that will kind of indelibly be a part of that film um but I just I thought the way that they kind of balanced the loss of those two characters at the end, the scene with Happy and the daughter and the cheeseburger callback. Oh to the first God, Iron that Man. killed me! Yeah. Absolutely <laughs> killed me. And we had an amazing moment in our screening. Uh, so that not at the midnight, so, so the second time we went back to watch it, um, we were in we were in this. Uh, we got to the scene where Iron Man died, and there was a bit of like there was a bit of a commotion a bit further down our rows as he was dying and it felt like someone was really like angry about it like almost <laughs> that someone like aggressively picked up their popcorn and i was like oh god don't don't ruin it for everyone uh, and then we get to this it's the next scene and tony is talking to his daughter and then he leans forward and says i love you 3000 and sh- this this girl down the road just absolutely she went i can't even and then you she was like loudly sobbing for like a, a minute <laughs> so the so the point that when his coffin was letting down and the proof that tony stark has a heart was there <laughs> Like the entire cinema was laughing, <laughs> and it was kind of this quite nice moment where, like, everyone in the cinema was obviously feeling like quite intense and like, oh, and it was like this nice cathartic release for everyone in there. That this <laughs> girl at <laughs> the front was just having a complete emotional <laughs> breakdown. <laughs> but again, I thought like that's the power of these movies that they have kind of been that important to this, yeah. Many people. I mean, in when, the in the, the critic
1: screening, like that, uh, there were maybe like five or six like rounds of applause Mm. and when i saw the public screening there was a lot of sobbing
2: yeah yeah Um, i
1: mean i saw it with two full houses and it was really interesting to me the way it was it was different both times yeah yeah yeah, absolutely one of a movie that clearly audiences connect with on such a massive scale that it can can really affect your enjoyment like all the people who are complaining that like oh you know the cinematic experience is being ruined because people only go and see these blockbusters like that's the cinematic experience surely
2: i i think as well the fact that this movie puts so much puts so much thought and attention into the emotional arcs of these characters and kind of reminds you what these characters have been striving for over the course of these movies um it it pays off, and particularly, particularly with Tony, because he gets to see him with his dad earlier as well. Like there's, and and all of the stuff at the start with him and Pepper. Um, yeah, it works. in the context they, of this movie alone. Even is what I'm. It right
1: feels like they rewatched all those movies and had a big whiteboard where they were like, "What do we need to pay off in this movie?" They were like, "Okay, well, Tony's parental issues <laughs> need to be sorted out." Like. Cap needs to move on, or you know, resolve the fact that he will never find, you know, never be with the love of his life, or whatever. But you know, know, they they went through and like ticked off everything that that didn't get resolved in a previous film.
2: But you know what I mean? Like, I feel like if you have the two whiteboards, one is Infinity War and one is Endgame. Endgame goes, how do we emotionally pay off stuff with Tony's dad? infinity war goes what if tony met the guardians of the galaxy like one of those whiteboards is more interesting <laughs> than the other to me <laughs> and i get infinity war is a fun john and it's a it's a, a lot of space nonsense but this is what i want this yeah, is what yeah, i want like like Bible i don't
1: movie. i don't want to come out with anyone thinking that i think Endgame is anything less than a five-star movie it's just that
2: you love Infinity,
1: Infinity War. Infinity War is like, like I say, it's like no other film in the franchise, no other film outside the franchise. Like it's entirely its own thing, and it's so much fun. Like Endgame has a lot of emotions in it, but Infinity War is just like fun, 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 fun. Oh shit! Everyone's gone. The end.
2: <laughs> See, I think this movie is more fun. I think it has, it, it so, has
1: fun
2: it, stuff for, in it, for and for the all ending of the stuff is more humor in. Yeah, it's it's so goofy, James. It is so, so goofy.
3: I mean, there is there is an angle. Like, cause, so I think another thing that you've already kind of talked about a bit, but something I think is really interesting about this film is that you can actually take this film as being structured around the arcs of different characters and it still works like Mm -hmm. you can Mm -hmm. take it as a steve film because it has the peggy arc running through it has steve fighting himself it ends on him you know it's kind of it's a very steve film equally it's completely a tony film it opens on him it's about his arc he dies at the end to save everyone you know but also
2: there's a a way you can look
3: at this film as an ant-man film and a Nebula film. And, and, and Yeah, well, yeah. I mean, the point is there's several characters that it works with, but the fact that one of the characters around whom it is actually structured is Ant-Man, and that's, like, you
1: know... I mean, w- pretty, well,
3: what that is, though... ...weird and, and, and interesting, that's but also good. it means there's a lot of jokes in it.
1: That's just good ensemble writing. Like, that's, that's how you write an ensemble mm. cast, and it's something that, like, for example, Chris Claremont used to be really good at in the comics, and it's something that Brian Bendis in the comics is very bad at. <laughs> which is juggling I- a cast in a way that feels like everyone should be there.
2: Yeah. So so this feels like a good moment to do my ode to Christopher Marcus and Jay McFeely because <laughs> I, uh, again, I, I re all of the MCU movies uh, up to this point. If you want to hear me talk about those again, head to Patreon where I've done uh, wrap-up episodes of Phase 1 and 2, and now that we've done Endgame, Phase 3 will be coming as well. Um, but Marcus and McFeely um f- what the, the movies they've worked on through the mcu they wrote the screenplay for the first avenger they also worked on thor the dark world but that's a movie with i think eight credited screenwriters so take that with a <laughs> pinch of salt uh captain america the winter soldier they were uh, wrote the uh premiere and some of the some of the episodes of agent carter then civil war then infinity war and, the, and, and then endgame so from winter soldier onwards they were the russo's screenwriters for me, uh, I think this is why that I have such a kind of like uh, a love-hate relationship with the Russo movies. I think Marcus and McFeely deliver fantastic scripts. I think thematically they are really, really interesting. I think Infinity War, again, Like I'm saying that I like Endgame more, but Infinity War is still like to get from A to B in that movie and do all of that comic book crossover stuff is no mean feat. And for it to track and for you not to feel undersold on the spectacle of that thing is an achievement in and of itself i come out i think i come out of all of the russo and marcus mcfeely movies going wow what an amazing script that those <laughs> say that that those safe pair of hands in the russo's like i don't think the russo's are bad directors i think the russo's there's a reason why marvel kind of latched onto them as these are the guys we that we want to bring these important movies to the big screen and they are they are very very competent, but you are never going to walk out of a, a Russo brothers movie going, wow! Didn't they really deliver some visual flair there? Didn't they really add something that like that that you that you couldn't have got from another filmmaker? But I think they are very good at taking those good scripts and making sure the things that work in the scripts work on the screen. Um, my major complaint here would be from Endgame would be that. Did the final battle have to be on a grey, fiery, rubbly background? Was there, was there no other setting for that? I mean, and again,
1: sort of, it sort of feels like they did that because there were so many people and they were clearly yeah. all yeah, individually yeah. done on green screen. So,
2: yeah. well, and and know. again, I think this this is a movie where the action sequences with the with the Russos are much the same as they've always been. I did. Think they're was, very I, good. I was really looking forward
3: to you reacting to the fact that you get on screen. I mean, I don't know exactly technically how it compares to Lord of the Rings, but essentially what might be the biggest battle ever put on screen, and it is two groups of people charging towards one another <laughs> in a profile <laughs> side-on yes. shot.
1: I thought of you when that happened. <laughs> might as well and be that is... in an airport car park.
2: <laughs> and, that's, and that's one shot, and then for the rest of it, we focus in on, now this character is fighting this character here, and this character is talking to that character. It goes into, it, like one thing happening at once you never have any sense of the geography of that occasionally you see the edge of the battlefield because there's water and dr strange is holding it back but you don't know where that is in relation to is that nearer to the avengers side of things is that nearer to thanos side? like i don't i never track the the geography of that sequence but when they're going into the small like here is Spider Man instigating instant kill mode, or here is Black Panther charging through with the gauntlet. Like those little moments in with within the action, they're really good at. And here, what I wanted was the little moments, and I think because they actually nailed the arrival through the portal shot. And again, like there was, at like a, there are so many moments in that final sequence where you are watching one character on screen doing something action-y, and I am going. Oh my god, that's really good. Um I kinda I kinda don't care in this movie that, that the Rousseaus are not trying anything more ambitious because maybe if they are trying anything more ambitious they don't stick the they don't stick the grace note kind of things.
1: I mean and especially I'm the sort of person who doesn't really care about action. Like I I only care about action when it's illuminating character in some way. Or at least serving some other purpose. I mean, like this is my problem with with Mission Impossible Fallout, which is that it's just a bunch of stunts. and I don't give a shit about stunts. Like, give me a joke or a, a character moment.
2: It doesn't I matter. Mean, if you're, wrong about, you're wrong about you're wrong about that. But we don't need to argue about that. Right <laughs> That's a that is a movie that is is completely anchored in the emotions of the characters and just ha- also happens to have amazing action. The- but in the MC in the MCU context, <laughs> like I I do wonder sometimes, James, like. I was rewatching Ant-Man and the Wasp. I agree kind of the script of Ant-Man and the Wasp is not as strong as, uh, well, most of the other movies in phase three of the MCU, but I think Peyton Reed's handle on the comedy and Peyton Reed's handle on the action as well. Um, the action is so clean in Ant-Man and the Wasp and the the choreography of that action and thinking about mm-hmm. where characters are going from the big to small, stuff like the making the salt shaker big and the guy running into it straight afterwards, that I have a real appreciation for because I still have to watch those scenes. I don't just turn off my brain when the action starts. <laughs> um, and, uh, and yeah, and Doctor Strange as well. I think Doctor Strange has got fantastic action that's just like really, really pretty to watch. And again, they're transforming city streets, and I kind of know where people are in relation to one another. Um, the, Russo's, the Russos don't have that, but what the Russos have here is scale and spectacle, and they have a really, really good script, in my opinion. Do you know,
1: just to show you what my brain goes through when I see a big action sequence coming, When they, when everyone came out of the portal, part of me went, they should just cut to like smash cut to this all being over and just skip the fight
2: <laughs> <laughs> but they don't but I, think... I imagine that you were still satisfied because oh yeah it yeah, isn't, yeah. Like, it isn't a course. fight really is I it i think of it's just
3: didn't have all those little moments that you talked about i would kind of agree with james i i don't yeah. i don't really come to these films for just seeing the big spectacle i come to see i mean I, you know i like to see the spectacle but if the spectacle is just people fighting I want to have those little moments in between, and I, 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 and I think I, this did deliver that. I want moments like uh, all of a sudden all, all the female characters standing together in front of Peter. And
2: and, and Mantis
3: being, being there. Sort <laughs> of, you know, look how many we've got now.
1: I mean, I, I felt like that was more of a, I know we killed Black Widow, but we've still got these. <laughs>
2: yeah uh, the, the mantis being there i and i've heard from a couple of people separately since then that go went like you see his character and like yep yeah, yep yeah, yep yeah. what's mantis gonna do here <laughs> yeah but equally if they leave her out it's yeah, kind of yeah. incredibly to oh yeah it's just funny on a on a plot level um
0: Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started.
2: Okay, well, guys, we're nearly an hour in. Uh, <laughs> um, shall Jesus we? Already. Shall we skip? Shall we skip back and start going through the movie chronologically? Because <laughs> I don't, I don't want to miss anything. So, so, right, guys, we're going to start the pod. Forget the rest of it. Delete the rest of the podcast. Um, we'll start here. So, welcome, Cinematic Universe. At the start of the movie, uh, we are three weeks after Thanos used the Infinity Stones. Um, No,
1: no, no, at the start of the movie, (laughs) at the start of the movie, we are just as Thanos is about to use the Infinity Stones. Yeah. (laughs) Because we see Hawkeye and his family.
2: Oh, yes, of course. Sorry. And then we get the
1: unintentionally hilarious spectacle of Hawkeye watching his entire family disappear.
2: You are dead inside
3: most of us knew what was going on there yeah but actually my, you know my my wife is not like she doesn't pay attention to these films she knows what's going on that was still a shock to her she actually gasped when his family <laughs> disappeared yeah i, I can appreciate you if you don't know it's coming take that if
1: you don't know it's coming that would be a shock when you know it's coming like
4: when you know of the, it's coming of and you podcast, my about leader, the character. called me
1: a monster for laughing at that scene Yes, and then when I went to see it with my friend, I didn't tell him it was going to happen. He laughed. I was
2: like, okay, no, he's, it's not just me. He's a monster <laughs> as well, because he is friends with you. <laughs> <It> <laughs> at, this just point, James, the, at this point, James, at this point, you're just my friend from work who I podcast with.
1: The extreme <laughs> tragedy of it, it's just like, it's like at the start of Up, where... Everything's going oh, happy, 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 so happy, and thanks. you're like, something bad's gonna happen, and then it's like the worst thing happens.
2: Another movie, that and you that do made not me like. laugh as well. <laughs> you hate the first ten minutes of Up, don't you?
1: I hate it because it's so obviously trying uh. to make you cry, and then like, you know, in in the sense of giving you emotional whiplash. When when the guy die, when the woman dies in Up, I laughed because it was just so ridiculously over the top.
2: So I watched that sequence and thought. Obviously, I like Hawkeye. I liked his wife in. I liked Lindy Cardellini in Age of Ultron. That was something that I emotionally connected with. But I watched that sequence and thought, Jesus, the MCU could do this for the next 10 years. Like, every time you're doing, like, a a flashback to the origin of a character, you're introducing Shang-Chi and you show, like, the moment that he, like, even temporarily lost half of his family and, like, was motivated to go out and kind of live the hero life i don't know but like I, I just thought like that the mcu has like that is so powerful for any character to just stand there and watch the people that you love <laughs> disappear in front of your eyes um i thought i thought it was really effective i, I think every time they've done that at the end of Edge of Ultron, sorry at the end of infinity war and in the post credits of infinity war in ant-man and the wasp and here it just... That scene just works. And I don't blame them for starting the movie on that. Um, I mean, you and can again, totally see why Hawkeye they started great because and it. Because
1: it sets up, like... For people who haven't seen Infinity War, maybe, or people who haven't really rewatched it, it's like, hey, this is how bad it is for people. Like, their entire family could disappear. The problem is they did it with Hawkeye, who's a character I find fundamentally no,
2: ludicrous. No, 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 no. So the reason, the reason, again, why it's important for Hawkeye is... That the entire movie is talk is is setting up the stakes of. These are characters who are all individually motivated. Aside from the wider, greater good of things, these are characters who are all individually motivated by saving by bringing back the people that they have lost. So when Scott goes to Ant Man, uh, so when sorry when Scott goes to Iron Man and says, "Look, I lost someone. I lost someone, and I need to bring her back." He doesn't. He doesn't talk about the wider scale of things. It is all of these people dealing with the individual consequences. And for Hawkeye, Hawkeye needs to bring his family back. But it's it's also important for that scene when you're going to get to Scarlet Witch. Uh, sorry, Scarlet Witch. Jesus Christ. When I do that all the time, it's very confusing having a Scarlet Witch and a Scarlet Johansson. Yeah. But when you get to Black Widow and Hawkeye and they're having that fight, and it's like. Which we'll get to. I I love the idea of two characters fighting to sacrifice themselves for <laughs> each the other. But the the reason why when you get to that scene, it has to be Black Widow, is that Hawkeye has this family that he that he is fighting to bring back, and that he needs to be for when they're back. Whereas they set Scarlet, oh, where they set Black Widow up as a character who her family are these characters mm-hmm. her family her family is hawkeye and it's and they and it's cap and it's her other friends and when she sacrifices herself she's sacrificing to herself to save them and to save all of the people that they love and the movie goes to pains to say black widow does not have a normal family yeah i mean and they, so they that's... do that thing
1: with her father and then they have them literally say like did she have family yes. we were her family yes
2: like yeah i totally get it and that's why it's Hawkeye at the start. You have to double down on... I know. And, and, and again, know, like, in, I, in, I, in previous I completely movies... I agree with it, you. But it's like made I say, the
1: problem is it's Hawkeye. <laughs> and I just, I, I can't take him seriously
2: ever. I love Hawkeye. And also, I will say, I thought in that glimpse of the trailer, the haircut looked silly. In the movie, I was going, I wonder if I could get that haircut. <laughs> 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 I love Clint Barton, and I love that opening <sighs> sequence. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, let's move on. So then it's three weeks after and the post credit sequence from Captain Marvel w- the movie hasn't told us yet, but that's already happened. That's that, happened. And that actually confused away.
1: me in the thing, because I was like I was expecting Captain Marvel to show up at some point and then when she mm. shows up at Tony and yeah. they get back, you're like, Oh, that happened between the movies. Uh, yeah. I, I thought I that was thought clever.
3: Her- rescuing tony was on her way to earth yeah yeah so i kept being like well hang on where's the scene where she shows up and goes where's nick Fury? And it's like no actually she went there to the beeper and then they sent her to go and get tony. yeah
1: which sort of makes sense because the beeper itself wasn't in infinity world right that was a post-credit scene so it would have maybe yeah. even been weird to base an entire chunk of the plot around something that mm-hmm. was a bit throwaway
2: i mean everyone saw it but i i also think like I think, it's, is it only once that a post credit sequence in the MCU... It was, yeah, it was I,
1: only the Ant-Man it was at the, the end of Civil War. Uh, y- the lead into Civil War, sorry.
2: Yeah, which was Bucky's arm in the vice. Yeah. And I kind of never really liked that, that they'd shown us that scene. No, And I, I, mean I guess neither. we'd all assumed that this had to be the scene from... That had to be a scene from Endgame.
1: Well, it's because cause the meeting of Captain Marvel and the Avengers seems like it should be a big deal and and we need yeah. to see it, but they gloss over it and it's a bit, it was a bit disjointed to, to realize was, that in retrospect.
2: I think it was jarring, but it was, uh, I it, it was efficient in a movie that you needed, you needed to get to that Thanos confrontation as fast as possible. Yeah, sure, sure. Hmm. But we get emaciated Tony up in space. Um, I thought the scene with Nebula was really lovely. Again, that's a quick screenwriting way of going, Hey, look, this is the Nebula that, that you need to know now she she does have some humanity and she isn't and, and, and you know again if you haven't seen the previous movies that is a good way of going that's kind of you, you, we're rooting for this girl um and she's been through some shit but at, at her core is still in some way a normal person and emaciated tony who's kind of given up and the only thing that's on his mind is pepper um because he's lost everything and and, and like again i think a tony at the start of this movie who has given up who has kind of accepted that he has failed and that it's too late kind of runs into all of the stuff that you see with him in the first act that this is a character who thinks
1: yeah because then then he gets you know gets his stuff back and he's like well maybe i should just shouldn't interfere anymore because things can only get worse for me
2: yeah, I did I did all of these things time and time again, and ultimately I came up short, and now finally I've created something good and pure, and how, am I an idiot to give that up? <laughs> um, yeah, so I, I thought all the stuff in the spaceship, I thought Emaciated Tony looked kind of great as well. Uh, especially when he's back on Earth in the drip and collapsing in front of them. And again, lashing out at Captain America in the way that he has done a a bunch of times. But for me, like Tony feels like he's always a character who to me, what you see on the surface is not what's going on underneath. And when Tony is lashing out at Cap and saying, where were you? What he's really saying is, I I fucked up again. Mm Um. And yeah, I think he's saying
1: I think, you're supposed to stop me doing this but you weren't there
2: yeah um and so then off the the kind of the the remaining uh functional avengers go off to space so uh as she said for the first time um steve and natasha and Rody go to space for the first time <laughs> lots They're of joined- good
1: war machine content in this movie <laughs> I was very. Happy. Do you know what?
2: I knew I knew you would love that, but the, he was the one character that when we got to the end of the movie, I was going. I was wondering. I wonder why they chose to keep him alive because it didn't <laughs> really feel like they had anything for him to.
1: Because do. he's cool. That's why. Because he's, he's fundamentally lots cool. Of, lots of them are cool. Did you see how big his armor got by the end of this movie?
2: Yes, <laughs> it's
1: like massive.
2: Oh, who is he? Stu- he's stood next to a really big character, and he's kind of like the same height.
1: Yeah. And like when is, he, when he, when Tony was dying, to? he came oh, and remember. walked up
2: next to him and he was like,
1: it was like a tank was like looking over him. I loved So it. that
2: was, that armor that he's in at the end is like, suits up Iron Patriot? Is it? Or is it a, or uh, is it a comics thing?
1: No, no, it, it's still his normal, normal armor. Yeah. It, it's more like a kind of Hulkbuster style war machine, I think.
2: That was it. I think he was stood next to Hulk. And I know Hulk is not as big in this movie as he has been. Um, but he was stood next to Hulk and they were the same height. And I was like, okay, you've done something here. Yeah. Um, Very happy. So, yeah, they go they go off up to space with Hulk, who's been there before, obviously. And Rocket and Thor and Captain Marvel. And they track down Thanos. And Thanos, uh, we were told, like, oh, yeah, we found him because he's used the stones again two days ago. And they find him. And did you guys think, oh, I wonder if they didn't show us quite how beat up he'd been at the end of the last movie by using the stones because at first, you see yeah. him, yeah, and his arm is, like, withered. Uh, actually,
1: what I thought was that as a kind of ironic punishment, he was, like, 50% screwed up. And they were like, yes. yeah, you wanted you wanted half and half, well, you got half and half. But it turns out, I mean, I'm sure that was a consideration thematically, but there was an actual mm. reason for it too.
2: Yeah. And so they confront him, it becomes clear that he used the stones again to destroy the stones. It seemed like you get to the point at the end of the movie where, because time is linear, as long as they don't go back in time and find the Infinity Stones again, the Infinity Stones are off the table, which I think is what kind of Marvel needs to do. They The Infinity yeah, Stones definitely. need to be gone now. We never need to see them again, which is why... I understand why at the end of the movie they don't go, time travel can never happen again now because because you want to do the Cap stuff. But I think in a movie pretty soon, they need to be like, oh, and here's why we can't time travel anymore. Because this thing broke or this is not possible. I don't know. We'll find out. Uh, but yes, the Infinity Stones are destroyed. And uh, they, they kind of have this chat with Thanos. It's... Uh, a little bit confrontational, I thought. They didn't seem to get on with each other very well. <laughs> um, the the Vengis and uh, and Thanos, um, and um, then Thor goes for the head, <laughs> which again, like the, uh, that, I thought was a good kind of tonal setter for the movie. That they killed Thanos with a gag line almost, and I know mm-hmm. Thor doesn't deliver it like a gag line, but the 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 audience all kind of in my screening went, "Ha ah, ha, yeah." See what he's done there, but then yeah. Thanos is dead. His his head's on the floor. Um, we've had the ti- the the the, the, uh, the opening titles for the movie, and you are going right, okay. What now? The infinity <laughs> the infinity stones are gone, and we know that it needs to get to time travel. Um, but then all of our minds melt because it says five years later, and you are going, wait, hang on, what? Five years. I do. I
3: do really like that. Like their solution is to not do anything, and I don't, it would just mean that in this sort of you know it's not a they haven't spent I think five years trying to find a solution because their answer is just there is no solution we can't do this yeah. without the Infinity Stones, and so they've just had to go well okay well this is the world we're in now we've just got to manage this yeah and so you Scarlet know, Witch is one shot and Scarlet Witch
1: it. I've done it now so Black Widow has <laughs> become like the new Nick Fury, and they're coordinating, you know, their efforts on a sort of universe scale. But really, yeah, there's so... nothing they can do other than sort of carry on and just deal with it. And
2: yeah. the setup seems to be that, from an Avengers point of view, that Carol's out there patrolling the universe. Mm-hmm. Um, a Ak- Okoye is... Holding down the fort in Wakanda, I don't know whether they they elected a new king or whatever, or whether they're just the Dora Milaje are just Elec- elected a king, Joe. Well, yeah, <laughs> well, kind of. It I happened, mean, if it there's no in
1: Star Wars, Ev, <laughs>
2: <laughs> I d- I do all the tribes just get together and have a have a bit of a ruck? All the two and a half tribes that are left. <laughs> um, I don't know how that works, um, but yeah. So, Okoye is kind of holding down the the fort there. Um, Rhodey is kind of. Out around the world basically tracking hawkeye it seems who is out there just slaying nasty people left and right um and rocket is is rocket on earth or is rocket rocket and
1: nebula are off in
2: yes space that's correct together. yeah
1: yeah
2: yeah now that's a fun see th- these all feel like one shots or episodes of a episodes of a disney plus series what <laughs> x did during those five years the adventures of rocket and nebula i can only imagine that that would be a treat um and then the other avengers have, have kind of given up their avenging so tony's off uh just he's settled down with his family cap is running the kind of the the survivors meetings i guess which that that's the sequence that feels very leftovers and i think does does I I don't know whether it's Joe or Anthony Russo, but one of those, do they insert themselves as the first openly gay character in the MCU? They do, yes.
1: Yeah. Jim Jim Starlin, the creator of Thanos, is also in that scene.
2: Oh, really? Yeah. Mm. That's interesting. Yeah. I thought that sequence was nice, as much as I kind of felt it was a little bit... I know he puts himself in all of the movies. He's the guy that Baron Zemo kills. He's supposed to be the actual... Mm-hmm. the guy in civil war but uh i i kind of did feel like oh this feels like a bit a bit self-indulgent to be to be this important <laughs> in this scene um but still i thought it was nice I mean, and then uh, obviously to be
1: fair i sort of i liked that they for a start i liked that they finally acknowledge that homosexuality can happen in the marvel universe and also it's kind yeah. of it's kind of nice to have captain america like sitting there encouraging him because there are going to be you know gay kids out there yeah, and it's it's you know watching the movie, and it's quite nice to have Captain America being like, "It's okay, go on another date. It's fine. Like you're allowed to do this."
2: Yeah, that I mean that is true. It's just it's just funny, isn't it? The Hollywood, it takes them this long to get to this point. Yeah, sure. Yeah. Um, yeah. Um, so uh, so so yeah, that's that's kind of the status quo, and then a rat saves the universe. <laughs> One my of the, friend, one my of friend the... messaged me and said he thought he was like i did think it was hilarious that basically if it wasn't for this rat treading yeah. over a controller the yep. <laughs> half of the universe would still be dead right now i
1: mean one of the like i remember reading in i can't remember what it was in actually but seeing something that was like you shouldn't base major plot points around coincidences and certainly you only get one a movie mm. and i was a bit like it's a real coincidence that rat walked over the right button.
3: Well, it's it's a, I would say it's a one in 14 billion, or whatever it is, <laughs> coincidence, <Yeah. laughs> that this is the only timeline in which that rat ran over. Yes, <laughs> that, that, yeah, yeah. <laughs> lovely. It made me think as well of um, of the, the bit in space where Tim talks about with Star Wars, like the entire Star Wars saga can be traced to one guy on the star destroyer at the start of the film like the gunner who doesn't shoot down the pod with c-3po and and r2d2 in is it like basically if if that message doesn't get to to (laughs) luke skywalker and obi-wan kenobi then the whole saga doesn't happen basically
2: (laughs) yeah again i think i i think the five years before it is what buys you the acceptance of it. Cause you're like, oh, okay. Well, so uh, yeah, it was the complete coincidence that the rat walked over it. But I guess it did take him five. It was years. a long time. Yeah, <laughs> I think I
3: think that's that's fair. That is a yeah a good guess for it. If it happened immediately afterward, you'd be a bit.
1: It also makes me think Luis probably uh, got dusted because if he hadn't, you yes. imagine he would have been given the van and maybe pressed the button. So yeah. Uh,
2: so here is my here is uh, my theory on the dusting. Right. Every major character who we, who we need to see again, we have to presume got dusted. Because if we don't, they're five years younger than all of the other characters in the franchise. Yeah. It's easier to do with older characters. Um, but yeah, I would just say, let's just assume. That every it, you know, when we were doing it before and we were saying, is, did this character get dusted? Yes or no." The answer now is yes, yes. yes. <laughs> they all did. If they we all didn't did. See unless in this film, they got dusted. Defying yeah. the odds,
1: yeah. all of Peter's friends and family got dusted.
2: <laughs> well, so I think far from, I think that's where they'll have the joke in Far from Home. You've that, got like, to imagine, ha- yeah. Some of some of his recognizable classmates will have been recast, recast, and are now five years older. Speaking of making jokes about the <clears throat> about the five year jump, did anybody else think
3: that when scott turned up (laughs) uh, at home that we were going to get a line about wow you haven't aged in five years because it was paul rudd (laughs) Uh, certainly
1: that was crossing my mind
3: i mean it would have undercut the emotion of that scene which i think that scene was the first moment of the film to get me yeah definitely you're so tall and oh man that was just yeah i mean because like that relationship we've been quite invested in in the previous two films
1: and especially like the thing about that scene is that when it happened i was like oh so all that young avengers speaking was just bullshit yes isn't it?
2: that's yeah. what I did as well I yeah. kind of went like
3: ah shit <laughs> that's the thing I we like got that wrong because it was I, I like that the film had the ability to wrong foot us mm-hmm. and you know yes. we come up with all these ridiculous reasons for why you might see an older version of a character like Cassie oh yeah. you know we didn't we, you know we thought jump into the future but we thought the film's narrative the characters yeah, I think jump into the future I think or we'll we see might a even
2: <laughs>
1: and we might even have explicitly that. said like there's no way they're going to set this movie in the future
2: yeah <laughs> and that's exactly yeah. what they do okay so ant-man then okay so you meet he sees cassie and it's very nice uh but then he turns up and we see the scene from the trailers where he finds um cap and natasha at the at the new jersey uh avengers headquarters <laughs> and they they have this little chat about time travel and i it's it's, it's basically there for Paul Rudd to be funny right (laughs) to kind of bed in this bed in this idea of time travel but do it with Scott Lang who I I kind of walked out this movie going as much as I like the Ant-Man and the Wasp movies more than most people do that character pops so much more when you put him (laughs) alongside alongside actual superheroes Yeah. Well, I I kind of think just just like outside of his comfort zone where he is like I know he's a punchline in his own movies but he's a real punchline alongside the others. But think- it's fu- it's fun when you have a punchline who is actually like when, when Ant-Man is when Ant-Man actually is doing his superheroing as they've shown him every time he comes up against like other superheroes, he's actually like really good. And he's under uh, underestimated. Whereas Star-Lord kind of does what you would expect Star-Lord to do. <laughs> so when he's the punchline, he kind of feels like justifiably the punchline. And the other thing I thought was, I kind of, I kind of want to see Ant-Man and the Wasp maybe in the, in other movies in the MCU on their own as well. Like uh, the thing like, is, right.
1: Uh, the, all of the Avengers films, or, the, or rather, when the Avengers films were at their best, the characters are better than they are in their own solo films. And like that was true of everyone in the first Avenger, in the first Avengers movie, right? Is that you went, oh, this is be- a better Iron Man than in Iron Man. This is better Captain in Cap, and here we have a better Ant Man than in Ant Man.
3: I think it's partly because like he's he's us. He's the in 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 kind of two ways really, which is the one, he's the fan. Like you know, he's a Captain America fanboy. So like so he he speaks for us uh, in a lot of it. And also, he's the guy who I mean Joe, you, you were just talking about, you know, kind of the seeing the plot through his eyes. We would all if like time travel or zombies or yeah. anything else that you see in films happened in reality our frame of reference for passing them and understanding them would be movies, even if they weren't like they were in movies. That would just naturally be how we would understand it. Um... You know, I mean, I, I I've never identified with a character in these films more than when he's using
2: Back to the Future as his basis for an understanding of time travel. Um, but Bats, I love that Bats to the Future has been called out multiple times in the MCU now because yeah. it got it got the shout out in Black Panther as well of all things.
4: <laughs>
3: um,
2: but also, it's not just that, but it's
3: they, um, it, it's the fact that they they wrote off Back to the Future as being their version of time travel and then literally did the plot of Back to the Future Part 2.
1: <laughs> well, <laughs> well, it, well, yeah, they, wrong, they wrong do... Back to the Future movie.
2: <laughs> no, they, so they, they do that. But the part of that's the part of Back to the Future Part 2 that everyone likes. It's the first act. It's the yeah. first half of Back to the Future Part 2 that people don't like. Um, but again, they do Back to the Future. They just don't do the rules of Back to the Future. That's what they don't do. because <laughs> I
1: know time travel is oh. not like Back to the Future. It's like Back to the Future 2. <laughs>
2: Um, so yeah so they established that time travel is a thing that's possible again not in kind of the way i expected because the way that they teed it up was like oh don't don't fall into a time vortex down there um (laughs) and and what they did instead was uh time is different in the quantum realm and maybe tony sark can help us navigate it so they go and find tony we get the really sweet stuff with uh, the daughter i thought they played that they played that relationship really well and in a way that rang true to the character because that's you know that stuff like where she's like i love you 3000 which is a gorgeous line and i like that they called back to it oh and by the way we didn't mention this at the start the thanos is I'm, inev- I'm inevitable is a killer line uh which is which is a killer line to bed at the start of a time travel movie and then to pay it off at the end and go mm-hmm. oh, no you're not mate um is <laughs> really uh that was really nice but yeah the, the i love you 3000 and then tony saying now go to sleep or i'm gonna sell all your toys yeah. and and her laughing because she gets that her dad is that guy and i was like that's exactly the way he talked to harley in iron man 3 mm-hmm um which what's the line so parents leave no need to be a pussy about it yeah
1: i mean (laughs) um the thing is like me and seb were talking about this before but like it's really easy to identify with those scenes as a parent and it's also like immediately you over identify with them obviously because you're like oh i have a child but like it it's what i liked is how it remains like emotionally true to tony stark that he's He's still, like, quipping, even when it's just his daughter. Like, it hasn't yeah. changed who he is. He's still he's still Tony Stark. He's it's just Tony just, Stark with a child. For it yeah, exactly. Like, <laughs> the I, same, you
2: know, that... The the same a couple of scenes later where she says shit. Yeah. <laughs> and then he's I'm like... And then, I'm stealing that. <laughs> <laughs> and then within seconds, he's like... She's like, what are you doing anyway? Like, well, I, I've got a <laughs> I've got a shit, shit, shit going
1: on, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, i did i really loved that (laughs) like the thing where he's he cracks time travel and he just goes like shit
4: yes (laughs) like it's
1: such a funny moment of like the something on that scale and he's cracked it and that's the first thing that comes to come to mind (laughs) like it was just i really loved all of that stuff
2: and again like this is i think this is why i like the movie as much as i do it just feels so true to that character um i i talked about this on a the Patreony thing i did for phase two but the moment that really bugs me in age of ultron age of ultron which i still think is a far more interesting movie uh and a really a really good script from joss whedon that just has the flaws that his other movie didn't but the moment that always bugs me in that is tony creating vision mm-hmm. the vision creation scene is amazing but tony as a character who just fucked up as hard as he had by creating ultron yeah
1: just has no doubts about it
2: yeah it just it just doesn't feel true to that character that he would go i'm gonna plow on and create vision nonetheless because he's a character that when he fucks up he realizes it and he and and so in this movie it felt so true to me that like he would be like no no i'm not getting involved and I'm going to blow off the rest of the Avengers and be like, no, go away. I'm not doing this. But then straight away, try and do it.
3: I think it, I think even more so than that with Tony, I think there's something you can kind of, and I think that that does hold throughout the films, is it's not just when he screws up, he's like, I don't want to do this again. He kind of has this kind of angry thing of, well, I've screwed up so if anyone else tries this or tries to do something like what I've done, they will screw it up as well. Because he, mm. he almost has this kind of angry, arrogant, overprotectiveness of everybody else to say, you know, well, if I if I wasn't here to sort it out or if I wasn't able to sort it out, um, and I don't necessarily mean it. That kind of comes off as something of a negative, but you know me, the famous Tony Stark hater. Um, but <laughs> I, I find it a very interesting character trait that his anger is kind of his anger at himself when he screws up, as I say, kind of leads him to actually not want anyone else to make the same mistake that he's made.
2: Yeah. And and that plays into his arrogance as well, because he is yeah. he is an all he always remains an arrogant character. I think I think the arrogance is a is a a defence mechanism a lot of the time, mm. but it's still it's still there. Um I was just uh, the the quote is already on IMDB and I think this is it's a really nice exchange between Pepper and Tony where she goes we got really lucky and he says yeah i know a lot of people didn't Mm -hmm. he says i can't help everybody and she says it kind of it sort of seems like you can Mm -hmm. not if i stop if i put a pin in it right now and stop and she says tony trying to get you to stop has been one of the failures of my entire life and the way that that plays out in the third act of the movie is that she she says she says to him in his dying moments like it's it's fine it's okay you can stop now <laughs> and she kind of and she gets that resolution that and'll only stop when he's dead <laughs> yeah well he'll only stop when he's dead but he'll only stop when he has helped everybody when he's yeah. finally done the yeah. thing that he set out to do
3: it's a bit um it's almost a bit um
2: all-star superman.
3: <laughs> um it's that yes. thing of, you know, sort of yeah, the kind of the final tasks and the sort of knowing that you can well, I say finally rest. I mean he ends all star superman by, you know, living in the sun, rebuilding <laughs> it. But it's it's that it's that you get that every so often in kind of superhero things, that that principle of um yeah, you can finally kind of rest and close your eyes when you know that everyone's safe. There is another really specific example, and I now can't think what it is, and it's really going to irritate me. Um, there is another specific example, whether it's in specifically in comics or something else, of the it's all right. I I suppose actually to an extent, the when when Peter Parker dies in Ultimate Spider Man, and it's you know he's kind of finally defeated Norman Osborn and he's kept Aunt May safe from Norman Osborn. And there is a very, there is actually a kind of similar death scene because it's a sort of it's all right, you did it, we're safe kind of thing. And he he's kind of he kind of relaxes and is sort of you know I did it, I saved you kind of thing. Mm. I, I, my job's done now. Um, but I'm trying to, I'm sure there's another example like it. I mean,
2: well. it feels it feels like a pop culture trope. To be, I was going to say it's it sure just a... the
1: it's the superhero ending, right? Because you can't you know you can't have the power and not use it and mm. get away with that.
2: Right. So, anyway, in the meantime, while uh, between Tony kind of telling them to go away and him actually figuring it out, yeah, we have we are, the best. We moment. are inter- well. We're introduced to two of our former Avengers in their new status quo. The first one is the Incredible Hulk, and this is the moment where I go what the hell is going on in this movie? This is so, so goofy. That's the word that I just keep going back to. It's so goofy and silly. And this is a movie that I was like, how are they going? That's the big question. How are they going to bring the humor back into it? And the the answer to that is life has moved on. And (laughs) Hulk has become this hybrid of Banner and Hulk. Um, not just visually, but character-wise as well, because he's a character who still is discernibly Bruce Banner, but seems to be walking around with this silly grin on his face all the time, mm-hmm. and and has kind of like merged in the toddler kind of nonsense that we saw of Hulk in Thor Ragnarok, where now here is this scientist who's just a bit of a doof at the same time. Well, right, it's because he's got like the Hulk's
1: confidence, and you know, yeah,
2: he's got yes
1: but it, it, it's all it's all of his character traits and they merged together there's not you know this happened in the comics and it was a big deal there as well that he yeah. is he integrated all of his personalities and became like the the merged version of the hulk i was so happy to see this turn up on screen 10 years ago <laughs> literally 10 years ago i wrote a thing for den of geek saying like Oh, Wolverine! a Wolverine movie has come out with bone claws. I never expected to see that. Here are three other things that we will never see on screen, right? And one of them was uh, Days of Future Past. The other one was uh, Intelligent Hulk. And the third one was Iron Man versus Doctor Doom uh, in the realm of King Arthur.
3: Right. So I'm, might, I'm two yeah.
1: two out of three down now.
3: <laughs> I, I, what I like is that it's they found a way around the problem that they've had ever since they cast Mark Ruffalo as the Hulk, which is that Mark Ruffalo is fundamentally more enjoyable and entertaining as Bruce Banner than he is as the Hulk. So when he's the Hulk, you kind of want him to be being Banner. And so mm. they've had these last couple of films where they've actually had him predominantly be Banner rather than the Hulk, so they can get the most out of Mark Ruffalo. And so to find a way to get the most out of Mark Ruffalo while having him be the Hulk <laughs> is great. I think. Th- I mean, this for me surpasses Ragnarok as Hulk's best film.
2: Now, I, I do you know what? It was the one thing in the movie that I couldn't figure out whether I liked or not. It, 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 I mean, like. It, it was bringing a smile to my face, but I was like, is this too much? Is this too, <laughs> is this too much? And like the facts that he literally dabs for the kids and that sequence with, with the selfie and, <laughs> yeah. and, and, Ant-Man and like, the, he's like, "Look, the, the kid he's is literally, no. yeah. he literally just said no. <laughs> um, I thought it was great. And again, like I think at that point in the movie, being able to establish that you can have fun. You, we are still able to have fun in this Avengers movie. Um, where half of the world has been dusted is so so important. um And then and then what we go from that to him arriving on the on the is it is it then when he arrives in the Avengers base and he, no, he the goes to New Asgard two? first, doesn't he? Does he go to New Asgard first? Yeah. Well, yeah. But all of the stuff he does is goofy and fun, so it almost doesn't matter what, <laughs> what order it happens in. I mean,
1: what I will say about the Hulk in this film is. This is the one character I feel like didn't really get much of an arc through all of the other movies, and like, quite notably, every character, every everyone in the main Avengers gets their like final moment in this film, except the Hulk. Like the last well, we see of the Hulk mm. is he's is like trying to figure out what happened with Cap, and then he's just gone.
2: I think what I I think the status quo for Hulk moving forward is. He can turn back up in future movies but probably not as, not as like a, yeah, not, not as, as, a as a co-lead yeah. like he was. Like he's the kind of character that you probably check in with a scene or two um and will oh, and will be fun when he shows up. Uh but I mean you've you've definitely killed the idea of ever doing solo Hulk movies uh, <laughs> because when, one side of his body doesn't work and he looks like, he properly looks like Mark Ruffalo. But, right, how far we've come just since The Incredible Hulk where that CG monstrosity could not have looked less like Ed Norton if <laughs> if they'd tried. And now you've got this, the, the effects on show for that character the entire way through the movie where you are seeing a full Mark Ruffalo performance. It even has, you know, he had, um, he had a a brain issue or something, didn't he? Earlier in his career, and that's why he's got that slight, slight droop on one side of his face. And even that was like, that was a part of the of the design of the Hulk as as the Ruffalo Hulk. Mm-hmm. It was, I thought it was unnerving how good it was.
1: For me, the the big missed opportunity of this movie is that they have a scene with General Ross and the Hulk together, and oh, they yeah. don't so much as acknowledge one another.
2: Well, there are. It, I I think it is notable as you go through this movie. There are a few things that the they pinpointed a lot of stuff throughout the franchise that they think is important to knock <laughs> back to, even to just give a little reference to. There are other things which they could not give two shits about. One of them is Bucky. We'll come to that later. Uh, the, the you're right that that is one with the Hulk, and the other one with the Hulk is the Natasha relationship, which I think everyone involved with Marvel just went. Well, character uh, audiences on a large scale didn't respond to that. The character is so different now. We're just kind of going to kind of say, it's done. I do, and to whilst, be fair, I do Hulk's... think this movie
1: services it a lot better than, you know, than they needed to.
2: <laughs>
1: Much I mean, of it is subtext. Kind of,
2: they just kind of go...
1: But it's Hulk definitely is, in the past, Banner is, right? Banner's sad like, when Natasha hey, it's dies. It's yeah. yeah.
2: Yeah. An, an old flame. Shall we say? Uh, <laughs> okay, so we go to we we go to New Asgard to meet Thor. Who, guys, I'm gonna say it. There's a lot of good in this movie. Thor is my MVP in this movie. I thought it was wonderful.
1: I got a bit tired of the performance towards the end of it. What? I felt Ow. like it was. It was just, it was one joke and they did it and they did it well, mm. but then they kept oh. doing it. And it was like, how many times can they... It wasn't
2: just a joke, though. It wasn't just a joke.
1: <sighs> no, uh, you know, I think there were some people actually complaining. They're like, oh, you know, they're laughing at Thor because mm. he's fat. And it's like, no, they're, they're not laughing at Thor because he's no. fat. Like, they're laughing at Thor because he's, he's let himself go and he's become a coward. And mm. he's forgotten who he is. And they yeah. pay it off really well. The thing I like about this, like the reason I don't think you can be like, "Oh, they've been fat shaming Thor," is because it's not like he gets me on there and he turns back into like ripped Thor. He ends the movie heroic, but still yeah. fat.
2: And and he is fat, but still has all his muscles, which is what I liked.
1: Yeah, <laughs> it was like, like the, yeah, the design. He's got these, the, like massive the, arms, but also a massive gut.
2: Yeah, and still kind of has like the uh, like definition. um, Even, even like as the the, the, you see the fat gut at the front, but he still has Chris Hemsworth stomach muscles on the side. Mm -hmm. And yeah, that the joke isn't that Chris that that Thor is fat. That is visually an that's an arresting visual. It's that he's let himself go, and it's and again, it's grounded in character. It is that this guy, because of the should have gone for the head moment, considers himself personally responsible. And this is a guy who prior to that had lost everyone and everything he loved and so for that yeah. guy, for that what more can i lose oh shit i lost everything and he's just gone oh fuck it then and because chris hemsworth is a very gifted comedic actor as well It just totally works. And yeah, I didn't didn't get tired of it because... It was when, I think it was in... It was tragic as well as funny. It was
1: when they were in actual Asgard and he was like, kept running off and stuff. I was a bit like, okay, yeah, I get it. And I felt like they didn't set up that I'm still worthy thing enough. Because you're not thinking at any point prior to that like oh he's not worthy anymore he thinks he's unworthy yeah, yeah. i
3: thought it was just oh i've got Mjolnir back yeah i, I, I love if that they had, had a bit suddenly deciding to summon it before he left that was great yeah if but they I didn't think it was he thought he was unworthy yeah. it was just oh it's going to be useful to have me if they
1: had had here. something where like he saw me and didn't pick it up or they said like why don't you summon me and he just looked scared you know i mm. i just feel like there was a little tweak they could have made to make that moment land a bit better than mm. it did
2: maybe Having said that i thought the entire sequence on new asgard was really good i uh again new asgard was kind of a thing that i think we all expected to see but i kind of thought it would be the yeah. the payoff to the movie uh but instead they've set they they've set it up already um there there they are in norway valkyries there kind of looking after things and then korg and meek it's they think they <laughs> figured Fortnite. out a ways <laughs> Yeah, playing Fortnite, and they figured out a way to do it. Was it Daryl, the housemate, that they did that, that Taika Waititi did that short with? Yeah. That Thor and Daryl were living together, and like that seemed like what they'd figured out here. Like, oh, let's actually make that a part of one of the movies. Here is is Meek eating pizza on the sofa, (laughs) Korg getting upset that people are shit talking him on Fortnite, (laughs) and Thor just drinking himself into like it just oblivion, basically. Um and then I thought again that like the conversation with Hulk and Thor was sweet. It's like who like look, I was in a bad place. Who got me out of that? No, Thor, that was you. Um and I thought that was sweet as well. I thought there were so many lovely little nods to previous movies that if you'd watched if you are the kind of nerds like us who've watched every single one of these movies and probably watched them multiple times, like uh, there was like there was one point at the end that I I that for me was lovely. Um, was when Cap's giving the instructions to Ant Man about you know Scott go and find the van bar, and then Hope says, "We're on it, Cap." <laughs> yeah, and she gives and she give and and, and and her and Scott give each other this look, yeah. and it
1: is and he's it's like paying you off called him Cap. Sc- yeah,
2: yeah, but it, but it's and it's paying off that scene from Ant Man and the Wasp. But yes, she called him Cap, but also that this time she says you know when they have the conversation you know if I'd have asked you to come to berlin with me would you would you have come And she's like i guess we'll never know and it's just that yet yeah, that yeah here they are fighting together with the avengers and this time they're doing it together and it has a little bit of extra, extra um resonance mm-hmm. because of ant-man and the wasp yeah. and i thought they did that so many times like the cheeseburger line the fact that harley was there this this with thor and hulk and just it's just little nods to previous movies that that um, I mean the thing. Yeah.
1: The thing they do it with this nice movie to... as well is like virtually every character who has appeared in more than one movie appears in this movie with a very tiny number of exceptions. Like you can well, you can count on like one <laughs> hand the people who don't get some kind of acknowledgement. And it is should I tell you who it is? Because I worked this out.
2: Is it Selvig and Darcy? Well, Selvig,
1: and... Selvig is actually there. He gets a photo at the very start confirming yes, he was yeah, he snapped does, away. Yeah. The only people, uh, Coulson's not in it, Everett Ross isn't in it, Darcy Mm. isn't in it, and Sif isn't in it, and that's basically everyone. Oh, and The the Collector.
2: And anyone who's dead already, I guess, probably. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah.
1: Oh, Sharon Carter. And that's basically (laughs) (laughs) it.
2: Oh,
3: yeah. Yeah, there's a
1: good reason Sharon Carter's not in this movie, and that's because they went... She uh, couldn't find her way out
3: from
2: under the carpet that she's (laughs) been swept under. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. I would have been pretty annoyed. <laughs> um but do you know what I was I, I was thinking this and I, I I think that so rewatching Infinity War and watching that scene where they say to the where where Thor says I've lost everyone and I'm like uh, yeah but the MCU did kind of make a real big deal out of Selvig and I know that you're not with Jane anymore but she's still out there and so is Darcy and these people that you bonded with. Mm-hmm. Um <laughs> they you know, Maybe, should we just say they all got dusted? Because otherwise... You can sort of see it in the
1: context of, if he lives for a thousand years, people he meets once or twice for, you know, a year or two aren't going to... They're not going to have that level of resonance with him.
2: Selvig was a big deal. Selvig was was a fairly big deal, yeah. He was in both of the Thor movies and the first two Avengers movies. Yeah,
1: I mean, Selvig would have been... Admittedly, if Natalie Portman had played ball, that would have been Jane Foster in Age of Ultron, right? But she was not interested.
2: Um, If I, 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 again, I will defend Natalie Portman. I think more if Marvel had played ball with Natalie Portman and not screwed her over. um,
1: Yeah. Okay. Let's say if the relationship had gone better than it did. Yeah.
3: Yeah. Is is it confirmed by the way, because I genuinely couldn't tell and it was so brief that I wasn't sure. Um, Was that new footage?
1: I don't think there was any new footage. No, I think they inserted Rocket into some old footage. That's what yeah. I thought, yeah. and
2: whether it was footage we'd seen before or footage that was on the cutting room floor from before that. Yeah, was, I, wondered, I would have thought if she'd come back to film, there just would have been more of her.
1: I wondered if her. there was B roll in there, though. She was at the premiere, apparently.
2: She was at the pre- she was at the
1: uh,
3: premiere. Right. I'm looking it up now, and it was it was cutting room floor material, but she recorded the voiceover for the bit where you hear her talking to some. Servant. Okay.
2: Uh, yeah, I mean the the thing that I was I was certain of was whether she had turned up again or not. She will have got paid handsomely for the very little work she did. In this well, she's movie. and
3: she's she's in she's in the credits. she's got a reasonably prominent placement in the credits. Yeah. Incidentally, speaking of that, I read a great article today on Vulture that attempts to that breaks down and attempts to figure out the complex hierarchy oh, of the credit sequences of this film. <laughs> and I don't think there will ever be another film like this that has no. to juggle this many stars with this many different levels of prestige and agent negotiations and positions in the franchise and it's a it's just a really fun piece it's it's written in a fun way as well it's just Mm. so that's that's worth a look if you're as interested in credit hierarchy and agents as i am
2: (laughs) right okay so uh getting, getting back into it so they all they all convene at the avengers hq there's lots of fun little moments with those characters interacting again i thought just stuff like um thor uh, sorry, sorry like thor um,
1: recapping the plot of thor in the dark world
2: oh, which is <laughs> wonderful really <laughs> especially wor- because uh, like, i had this old flame
1: the dark elves Ooh. Ooh. <laughs> <laughs> like just the the like just the balls on them of being like i know it's your least favorite film but you're gonna listen to it and you're gonna enjoy it this time
2: yeah. and you're gonna and you're gonna have to go back yeah, to it. You're
1: gonna care about it because yeah. it's it's the only place the ether is that we can go to.
2: <laughs> to be fair,
1: they did a quite good job
3: of that because yeah. the material that they gave us was great. Mm-hmm. Um, you know that that conversation between Thor and and Freya was really good.
2: Oh uh, so good and so like again from a and character it's nice point of the view Bruchos
3: to get their their relative in there as well.
2: Who, <laughs> Rene Oh Rousseau, dear. Yeah. Oh, dear. Uh, Rene Russo is fantastic in that sequence. Mm-hmm. Um and also just like that is that is a character that the Thor movies underserved mm. and you've got an actress who is as talented as Rene Russo and you bring her back in and have Thor's relationship with his mother being that important after kind of establishing on, on a number of occasions that Anthony Hopkins as, well, Anthony Hopkins' Odin is an asshole, and Anthony Hopkins doesn't really care. He's he's going to turn up and give you the same performance he gave you in all the other movies. The most
1: phoned-in performance imaginable, like the most phoned-in performance in the entire MCU, is Anthony well, he Hopkins does, in Ragnarok. He,
2: he well, does there have is this a bit where he's being lucky. Yeah, 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 which is great. But yeah, that when when Odin is being when in the, Odin the reshoot, is bit, Odin, yeah, the reshoot, yeah. So. Yeah, I I thought that was really nice, but no, I liked yeah, I liked them recapping the 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 Dark World in that <laughs> sequence. But I just liked all of these characters kind of palling around, interacting. Like I said, the taco scene with Hulk and uh, Ant Man was really funny. Um, and oh, I just
1: I, I just have to quickly point out when when all of the Avengers arrive at the compound because they've been summoned. and War Machine turns up and he's like, "What's up, regular sized man?" <laughs>
4: <laughs>
1: just the best line there's so many just great one-liners like that
2: um the the part that i liked the most out of all of that was it was um iron man and uh black widow laid on the table next to each other and i think was was it capped down on the floor at the moment where they figure out that the there are three in the, new york the, the, yeah. Three, yeah three in new york but i just love the intimacy of that scene of like these these characters who have this history just kind of who who were just getting on and trying to solve a problem and it was like we we you know, it's like the old days again and the gangs back together. Mm-hmm. And having and having those core Avengers there I think is really important and it and it works in a movie. And the ones that they put alongside them, like I said, Don Cheadle felt I, I love Rody but he felt a little bit extraneous uh in in the group. But I thought Nebula and Rocket bring this new dynamic and i think if if there was one of the guardians i want there it's rocket at that point and if there's one of the guardians i want there later in the movie it's gamora and nebula and i get you know i get both of them uh and then generally if there's one of the guardians i want anywhere at any time it's 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 rocket Rocket. yeah (laughs) (laughs) um and then and then ant-man he kind of feels like he fits He's kind of he's kind of been around for a while now. It's just that he's what he's been in three movies prior to this, Um, but he he he's got a role that none of the others of them do. He's none of the others
3: of them react to the others as if they're superheroes, yeah, because they (laughs) all are. Um, I I I do think he's an important spoke on the dynamic. You know, I
1: also think he's kind of fulfilling the Spider-Man role in this movie, which is that he's he's the funny one who he's there so we yeah, looking out using for our made up names yeah.
2: I... guy <laughs> uh what we haven't addressed uh which i actually uh may surprise you i didn't think worked fantastically was Hawkeye's ronin um <laughs> <laughs> i get i get that you're telling me that that's how he's reacted but that's, it, the thing it's just they Hawke- say, don't they? Like, it's just Hawkeye back as Hawkeye as soon as he gets back to the to the group. He's just the way that I would have expected him to be, given that he lost his family, yeah, not they given have that, that he's been around the world murdering. They have
1: that moment of um, where Rhodey's like, oh, you don't want to see what he's become. And you're like, what? He's become a really cool, like, you know, ninja.
3: <laughs> like, oh no. He's been given a personality. Yeah. <laughs> no.
1: <laughs> <laughs> like, it's just, um, it didn't... I don't know, he didn't track for me, although I did I, th- I, th- I did really like him using uh, pin particles because in the comics he um for a time gives up the bow and arrow and becomes like the new giant man because he gets oh, right, kind of okay. he gets uh what well, embarrassed about his lack of superpowers, so he becomes giant man for a fairly mm. extended amount of time. I I just think think the issue with it is that it's kind of done away with so
3: quickly. It's presented as this, oh my God, what have events turned Clint into? And as soon as he's back with the gang, it hangs over him a little bit, but it's only really there to give him... Uh, the moment when they go to to Vormir and he's like, "Oh, I've passed this point of no return. I've I've done terrible things." Yeah, yeah. like there what, what have you? <laughs> a comparison for for him and, and Black Widow in terms of they've both done bad things in their past, and his were more recent kind of thing. But other than that, it basically doesn't get referred to. As soon as he's back into the fold, yeah, and like so you've turned into a, a little, slightly lamer
1: Punisher, if anything. <laughs>
3: yeah. <laughs> And you know right. this is kind of I think as well. Bearing in mind that earlier in the film we've had this scene with Thor chopping off Thanos's head. It's like none of none of the Avengers have a problem with killing. It's this isn't a superhero universe. This is, they're not Superman or Batman. Oh well, movie Batman and movie Superman. <laughs> Let's not get into that. Um, but you know what I mean. It's like I think. I get it that obviously it's a point of he's gone too far, but he's still going round killing criminals, and that's something that to to varying extents they've pretty much all already done. Mm-hmm. And also, he's Hawkeye. His job is to, it's like it's like when you try and do Green Arrow without him killing people, and it's like his job is to shoot people with a bow and arrow. You don't <laughs> tend to shoot people with a bow and arrow to wound. <laughs>
2: <laughs> I gotta say, I thought uh, I thought Hawkeye action in this movie was pretty. I loved the sequence when the uh, when the I don't know what they're called the Thanos' aliens. They're not Chitauri. Out, the, outriders, the, the Outriders, when they're chasing him through the rubble and he is like going up the going up that kind of he's shot on an arrow and he's flying up, but he's taking them out. Like he's like Batman. It's great. Uh, <laughs> And I, I, and I and i liked him uh i liked him being the first guy running through with the infinity gauntlet as well i'd pick Haw- yeah until Hawkeye they actually. were like give it
1: to someone with superpowers now
2: now yeah now give it to someone else please <laughs> <laughs> um but hawkeye's always been pretty good in that, in those big action sequences at the end of avengers movies he's always been pretty cool with the action like he's he's good in the first avengers like he's especially in that you know the, the the big iconic tracking shot with uh you know you follow one of his arrows around don't you and then like he's great in age of ultron when he kind of gives scarlet witch the pep talk and uh and has the moment with quicksilver as well where he's like you know i could just shoot you right here no one would ever know um i'm just going to keep talking about how great hawkeye is Anyway, we should talk about them going back in time. Um, and I think we should probably split this into the distinct years <laughs> is, and yeah. stones. So let's start off with uh, probably the most self-contained one, which is Asgard. So Rocket and Thor go back to Asgard in <laughs> Thor Thor World time, which still makes me laugh. <laughs> uh, that's the movie that they had to go back to. But as we talked about with Frigga, the stuff is really... It's really emotionally affecting, I thought, and it's and it's really good character stuff of Thor. It's the character I wanted him to talk to. It would have been nice if there was a bit more Natalie Portman. Um but pff, yeah, it's not it's not the end of the world, is it?
3: I'm I'm shocked that um they didn't manage to persuade Christopher Eccleston back. Uh, <laughs> going back to the events of Thor
1: too. I mean, the good thing about that little sequence is that it does feel like it kind of puts a pin in the Jane and thor relationship that never like combined with him sort of breaking down about it earlier on Hmm. because it never really felt like they resolved that plot not least because they barely mention it in ragnarok
2: but also now in the same way as hulk feels like kind of a different character now i mean they figured out thor they figured out how to make thor work on the screen yeah from rag from ragnarok onwards and This new version of Thor wouldn't work with Natalie Portman. yeah, because she would be
1: infuriated by his, like,
2: (laughs) stupidity. Yeah, his idiocy. Um, (laughs) And, but I I like the pep talk that Frigga gives him. Um, And I like that, you know, that, like, now you've figured out what it's like to be like everyone else. And that's what I kind of feel like what Ragnarok figured out as well about that character. Like he he needs to be in some way human. You can't just say, right, he's learned he's learnt humility and now he is worthy enough to be Now, Yeah, again. now
1: he's noble and, and, you know, responsible and boring. And boring. Now he yeah, is exactly. boring.
2: And they've gone, well, what if he's a real person? And and now they're going, well, what if he's a real person having to grapple with the emotions that real people do, which is like, <laughs> I, yeah. I'm not, Are I'm you not crying? enough. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No, no. I lo- oh, and... I mean, Hemsworth is so funny, but just little moments like, uh, like, you're totally right, I am from the future. (laughs) 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 And I like that little acknowledgement as well that Frigga, you know, because they talked about it before with like, you know, that's where Loki got his tricks from. Mm -hmm. With her going, I was raised by witches. (laughs) I'm more more interesting than than these other movies have let on, basically. Mm -hmm. Um, Rocket's kind of there just to be like the actual get the plot get the plot done at that part yeah uh he, he does kind of get sidelined i but mean
1: it's notable that the stealing the theft of the ether happens off screen
2: yes <laughs>
1: it just cuts to him like running
2: out and being yeah. like
1: hey i got it let's go
2: so like i said that sequence is fairly self-contained um the the new york stuff is less so so if we branch off with hulk for a minute hulk goes off to get the time stone now as an audience we're all going presumably you guys are as well yeah yeah but stephen strange wasn't mm-hmm. this wasn't doctor strange in in 2012 um and the moment that Tilda, because uh, Reese had even said to me before the film, like, do you think you'll see this person, that person? He went, do you think you'll see Tilda Swinton? I was like, no, yeah. definitely not. Tilda Swinton won't come back to do this again. Um, everyone knows how much I love Doctor Strange. I love that character and I love that performance. And so when she did come back, I was like, oh, fantastic. And to show her like that she's doing her own, like she's defend- she's defending the Sanctum whilst whilst the Battle of New York is going on. <laughs> I really like that yeah, as well. Yeah, that was great. Um, and then we get we get a bit of Banner, uh, an actual Mark Ruffalo Banner in <laughs> his astral form. And this sequence is mostly there, right, to remind you of Doctor Strange giving up the time stone in the first place and to, again, try and reassure you that the don't worry too much about the time travel stuff. We promise we'll fix it. <laughs> It's not, it's a straight timeline luck, and we're going to bring them back so it won't change anything. I mean, she says,
1: actually, there's one part of that explanation is kind of a fudge where she says the, the infinity stones create the flow of time. So you could argue that maybe removing the stones is what breaks the flow of time. And mm. that that's how Cap going back can, can remain in like quote unquote our timeline.
2: Oh, James, I like it. You've just won the no prize. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, so I, I mean, I liked that because because Tilda Swinton was back, but it's not it's not the most interesting. And again, like, who are you going to have Holt go back and talk to that is interesting for him? You know, every, everyone yeah, else gets quite. to go meet someone and have an experience that is. That is specifically designed for them and for their character. I mean, I don't think
1: Liv Tyler's that busy
2: Yeah, but again, that's like Liv Tyler and this version of the Hulk. Yeah. If you've already if you've already outgrown Black Widow in this version of the Hulk, <laughs> then you've definitely outgrown Betty Ross in this version of the yeah,
1: Hulk. Yeah, I know. I just I wanted and to he, see resolution to that because you know, comics nerd, banner and hulk yeah. uh, Betty and Hulk as the is the thing.
2: Yeah. So we go to avengers tower um we kind of wait until the actual sequence the actual movie is kind of ended and it's the it's the gap between the avengers apprehending loki <laughs> and the and uh, well uh, well and and, and loki oh, in yeah, of course, cent- yeah central park um is, is uh, thor in the shaw scene i can't remember yeah yeah, yeah. Uh, So they must have had shawarma before. No, uh, I think I think the idea.
1: No, because he can't come back. Yeah.
2: Mm." Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) 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 Oh God! Time. Why is it not as linear as we want it to be? (laughs) Um, And again, I love the ingenuity of this. Bring it again. So you're not going back to the Winter Soldier, but you're able to do all of these references sit well. Lift scene. Oh the lift it's scene. Amazing. The lift scene is so good because it is setting it is you're like, oh, they've managed to do a way to pay off Winter Soldier without going back to it. Yeah. But is he gonna be able to fight them? And then the just the genius of Hail Hydra. It's it's <laughs> cause well, two things about that. <laughs> sorry go on james
1: I was, I was gonna say it's the way they like the framing is exactly the same and like they even have the little moment of like rumlow going for his gun
3: yeah mm.
1: and like it, it's I, so exactly copies that sequence and you're just waiting for him to say like you know
3: before before yeah. we begin
1: to <laughs> want to get out and instead they it's swear you. yeah they and don't. it's
3: funnier but also the other thing that's funny about that is that is what it's uh c- can we assume that it is a direct nod like having cap say hail hydra is yeah, a direct to, nod to an expensive cap- controversy yeah.
2: i don't think it's a direct i don't nod think it's all, a deliberate no.
1: one it's certainly
2: it's it a coincidence yeah <laughs> i'm taking it as one anyway <laughs> <laughs> and then we get down to the ground level and there is Robert retired Redford <laughs> <laughs> do you, bringing back Alexander Pierce. Who again? If you just said to me like, which people do you think they're going to have brought back? Robert Redford would have been so low down on the list. Yeah. Um. And and that's I mean, and this is all the bats of future stuff, isn't it? With Tony in the background and yeah. Ant Man going into to mess with his um, arc reactor. Hulk on the stairs. That like this. That this is the. This is the section of the movie where it's just going. We can be really fun and goofy. We can we can have so much fun within this concept. Don't worry that the actual stakes of this, are whether half and of the then, universe can be
3: returned or not. And then you get the Buzz Lightyear fights. <laughs> Which just, I mean that that is instantly a, a top ten MCU moment for me, <laughs> um, particularly with the well the two lines, the lines at the beginning and the end of the fight. The I could do this all day.
2: Yes, oh, yeah, I oh.
3: know. Uh, and then the uh, that is definitely America's ass, <laughs>
2: <laughs> and it is. I've fought it for some time. <laughs> um,
3: this is this is where you most identify with Scott Lang.
2: I just think this just this this is this feels like full of fan servicey moments uh but in a great way because like they're not it's it's not slowing the plot down um it's I, I, well and loki escaping with the tesseract as well if what was really was really funny <laughs> but i was just i was just having a lot of fun with the sequence it was reminding me of the movie that i liked from before without invalidating it or making me like it any less because they'd messed with it um and then, yeah, just 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 peppering you with gags, and so they get to the end of it. They've got the scepter, uh, they've got the, um, uh, uh, the time stone, right? That's what Holt's got. So th- they're done. That was a,
3: that's. A, I mean, we, a, another one that is a, that was a surprise. I would not have expected a, a Tilda Swinton appearance, and for it to be such a significant scene as well. Yeah. Yeah, I like the absolutely. fact that they that they know so little about Doctor Strange that they don't realise that going back to that year he's not Doctor Strange yeah. <laughs> yet because they just assume he's been around for ages.
2: But yeah, so and they've they've also established the <laughs> the rule that oh we don't have enough pim particles. Why not? Because we don't just there's enough for each of us to go back. It does sort of seem like two dry runs. The first thing they should have
1: done is let's go get some pin particles. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Like no one thinks about it until they're like, you know, knee deep in the whole affair.
2: Yeah. Mm. (laughs) It's again, one of those things that I'm willing to wave away because the the sequence is as fun as it is. Um, And so then, yeah, Tony and Kat put their head together and I, it, I just, that's, that's what I want from this movie. I want to see those two characters together going off to save the world. Yeah,
1: well, this is something, and, actually, people are people are complaining a lot about how, like, oh, this film doesn't really service the Captain America and Bucky relationship like it should have. But actually, like, the core relationship of the MCU is Captain America and Iron Man. And that's why those two characters
2: you know, are, like... Who is complaining about the Captain America and Bucky relationship? I mean, people, two, uh, people who want them to have to sex they, on we,
1: on screen yeah. are the people but who are we've, complaining we've, about
2: it. We've spent two movies doing that, and the problem with that is that Bucky is not an interesting character, so whilst you can go that this is an interest this is maybe an interesting relationship because they're telling you it's an interesting relationship from when they first knew each other and that they clearly mean a lot to each other as individuals they have that arc was serviced it was finished mm-hmm. they devoted the third act of Civil War to it. Captain America gave up everything basically. Like, he gave up his relationship with Tony to save Bucky. Like, they've done that. It's gone. And when you get to this movie, the reason there's nothing for Bucky to do is because... It was already done. his His arc is complete. His arc is done. He's not a particularly interesting character when he is not the Winter Soldier anymore. And... As a as a superhero, here's a dude with a metal arm who fires a machine gun and every time they cut to him in one of those big action sequences when everyone is doing this cool ass shit and he's stood there with his shitty machine gun, it's bad. It's bad. And even even the Russos who devoted two movies to that relationship and the Marcus McFeely who devoted two movies to that relationship didn't give a shit when it came to this movie because it's not interesting.
1: I'm glad you said all that because you're going to get the death threats now.
3: Yeah, I, I, I don't look at Chris Evans's at replies uh, because it's like like he, he tweeted uh, yesterday, much love to the fans who've kept spoilers to themselves. It's a very unselfish thing to do. And the tweet that's at the top of the replies is unselfish, unlike a certain character we witnessed in this movie. That's a person with a Bucky avatar, by the way. Uh, and then it just leads into a whole conversation with people who are really, really angry that Steve went back to Peggy and didn't have sex with Bucky.
1: The thing is, right, Bucky never Bucky and Falcon name, are going to get a whole mini-series, which is going to be about their relationship with Captain America, right? Even if Captain America isn't in it, that's going to be the thrust of the story is
2: what do you, um, Captain america What do you think gone? the name of that series is? Sorry? What do you think the name of that series is? <laughs> it, it's Falcon <laughs> and Winter Soldier, right? Will it be, though? Well. <laughs> Reese raised this to me after the movie, and I went... Yeah, maybe it is Captain America. And the Winter no, Soldier. I think it's gonna or be. be set I think earlier. it's gonna
1: be Falcon and Captain America, uh, Falcon and Winter Soldier, and the whole point will be neither of them wants to be Captain America, really.
2: Mm. No, but Sam is. That's well, the... yeah, but uh, and, I think it's gonna be honestly, about him dealing with that. Speaking of speaking of Nick Spencer comics, the Sam Wilson Captain America arc that I read was super interesting. That I I don't I would never expect them to do this in a movie, but on a Disney Plus show, maybe. Grappling with the idea of what it means to be a Black Captain America in 2018, and whether it is possible to kind of stay almost politically neutral as a Black Captain America in 2018. Mm-hmm. I don't. Oh, in 2023, um, <laughs> I I don't really I don't really expect that show to do it, but I kind of feel like it it, it is possible.
1: Yeah, um, it'll be interesting to watch anyway. It makes me immediately a lot more interested in that that series.
2: Yeah anyway so that was my rant against bucky i'm glad the movie devoted as little time to him as it did um (laughs) both of the
1: movies we're gonna get Uh, letters he does get the fewest (laughs) lines in this film out of any appearance like even fewer than infinity war he gets about four or five lines in infinity war i think he gets like three here
2: he gets three lines and a nod um so we go back to 1970 uh with two characters who have a relationship that is interesting and not resolved um Iron Man and Captain America, and they go separately. Cap goes off to get the Pin particles. Iron Man goes off to get the tesseract. Um, kind of both of the things that they that they have to do are fairly straightforward because, again, this is not a movie that's about collecting the McGuffins. I know it theoretically is, <laughs> but it does it doesn't play out like that. The actual yeah, collecting so collecting of the, the McGuffins
1: is actually just there to give the characters a chance to resolve their individual stories.
2: Yeah. Which and is so how it should cap,
1: be, let's face it. Like, yeah. that's what you're supposed to be doing in a movie.
2: Um, we get our second uh, community cameo of the movie. We got Ken Jeong earlier in the movie, and Yvette Nicole Brown is the is the lady who's in the lift with them at the start. Uh, the Russo's, I think, have maybe had like five community cameos at this point. Um, I think the only ones that... Were, and Donald Glover is in Spider-Man Homecoming, so I think the only one who's not turned up is... Well, there's Joel McHale and Gillian Jacobs, so maybe next time. Um, That was just something that I enjoyed. Um, But Cap gets to go off and see um, Peggy, who... uh, I know we only see her through glass and we don't get a real good look at her, but it seems like she's aged real well, (laughs) (laughs) considering that Dominic Cooper has turned into John Slattery (laughs) during the same amount of time.
3: (laughs) I think they made the wrong call there in terms of because obviously you th- thought they should have cast is dominic right cooper on the cusp of having to choose between the two and i think they either should have done some weird merging thing oh, God, of no. their faces and voices or i felt i feel more like that should have been dominic cooper C- because- i mean
1: in fairness though tony stark has never had any relationship with dominic well, cooper yeah. yeah no
3: you're right thinking because i'm thinking about why. it in terms of of like cap's version of howard stark is very firmly dominic cooper yeah yeah, because that's Peggy's version as well, and yeah. from the TV show. Yeah, You're version. right. No, yeah. no, you're right. It was totally the right call for it to be John yeah. Slattery. I fully retract that. because <laughs> The version that we've always seen Tony interact with is the John Slattery one. Yeah. So, yeah. And but if Cap had I- walked in, he should have
2: transformed into <laughs> Dominic Cooper at that moment. <laughs> but I, I, I loved that scene. Um, the, the that was I mean as much as like it was nice to see Cap seeing Peggy again, um. The the, the, 19- the, ni- the the part of nineteen the point of night the part of nineteen seventy I enjoyed the most was the Howard Stark bit. It was just really it was really moving to see that interaction, to see how Tony, this like super confident, super competent, super cocky guy Gets in front of his dad and kind of loses his shit completely. Like that, he leaves the briefcase behind, <laughs> <Yeah>. and Howard <laughs> has to pick it up and hand it and to him. And yeah, says, yeah, says that his name is Howard. Says his name is yes. Says his name is Howard. It's 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 so nice. Yeah. And then the conversations they're having, like with Tony being a new father, then looking at his dad in a different way, mm. and kind of again tony being driven in this movie by yes i'm going out to do this thing but the one thing that i'm not willing to sacrifice going back to the we don't trade live stuff from infinity war tony is not going to trade in his daughter he's not going to trade in the the new life that he's created for all of the old ones
1: and also he says like um sorry howard says like there's already nothing i wouldn't do for that kid
2: so that is that i know you guys talked about like the scenes at the start with the daughter, and you can't watch those scenes as a parent. Route. Um I don't think I've talked about this on the podcast yet. Uh, me and my wife were expecting our first child, and that that moment, I just went, "Yeah, that kind of that kind of already feels like it sums it up. This is it now. This is just going to be
3: happening to you constantly. You're just going to become one of those <laughs> people now." But uh, that,
2: that, that, for that, that, that specific line of dialogue that, you know, the kid hasn't been born yet and there is, there's already nothing I wouldn't do for it. <laughs> and I'm like, and I'm there going, yeah, that's, that's exactly how <laughs> I feel about my unborn daughter. I yeah. like, my, my entire life is already consumed by, uh, like how, how is everything best set up for when she arrives? Yeah. Um, yeah, and and that and that made that gave me a real lump in the throat watching it.
3: <laughs> Although I have to say, I, th- I think the two most uh, striking bits of nineteen seventy for me were first of all that appearance of Jarvis, which you know, as I said, oh. well, we, we have already covered it a bit, but just really lovely little. There's no, there was no reason to do that beyond just giving us a little something, and I was just so happy with it. Um, and the Stanley, the last oh, Stan Lee that's cameo. such a good
1: Stanley cameo. <laughs> like I love, thought it,
3: it, it, uh, uh, it was Mark Maron. Uh, I I I thought it was Mark <laughs> Maron. I thought it was yeah. Stanley's voice in with, but with Mark Maron's face. <laughs> I really did.
2: Yeah, reslot that as well. <laughs> it was, uh, is, it, is it is it is it just purely Stanley? Is that the yeah, last one? Yeah, it's just
1: D H Stanley. Yeah, yeah. Because they said that was the last cameo he shot for them. And like uh, the thing I love about it is, it's like Stanley in his like 1970s prime. Like, this is when he'd already done his best work. It was just, like, living off the success of it.
0: Being like, <laughs> hey,
1: I'm the guy who, like, turned Marvel around and created all these awesome characters, and, you know, everyone loves me. <laughs> Driving that past that a, last... a military base and, like, doing the peace sign and saying... Is Make that his love, last cameo,
2: war. Full Stop, do you think? Hey? Do you think that's his last cameo, Full Stop? According yeah, to is. the Russos, yeah.
1: that's his last cameo. Yeah. No,
2: Unless but he's... I know in the MCU, but he ha- apparently he hasn't done one for... Dark Phoenix. Yeah. So I would assume. Oh hasn't yeah, I wouldn't. I wouldn't expect to see in Dark Phoenix certainly. So that 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 might be our last Stanley cameo. Yeah, probably. In anything entirely. Probably. Yeah. I think
1: didn't they say they're going to release all the unused footage soon of the cameos they didn't use because you know they
2: shot a bunch. Well, but the 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 rumors are that the Russos are working on a Stanley documentary yeah, yeah that's well, that. in movie. It. So um, I mean I would imagine. I would imagine you're going to get some pretty outstanding access I look forward uh, to it. In, in, yeah. Um so yeah, I thought all of the 1970 stuff was uh really sweet. Uh the so the final time travel sequence is uh split into two parts. This is space around the time of the first Guardians of the Galaxy movie. Um let's do let's do the Hawkeye and Black Widow one first. So does does Nebula know what happened on Vormir the first time? No, I know she knows no, she, she knows that she knows that Nebula went sorry, that Gomorrah went with Thanos and didn't come back. And she and she pretty much assumes that Thanos murdered her there, yeah. but she doesn't know specifically the sacrifice that's no, been made. I mean, right? this is
1: the thing, because if she'd known, they could have had a nice moment and like clued the audience in a little bit earlier where they went like if they'd explicitly said like you two have to go to vormir because as soon as yeah. as soon as they both went i don't know about you guys but as soon yeah. as they both went i was like oh fuck i know what's oh, happening shit. here yeah. yeah yeah um but yeah nebula didn't know because thanos came back and then you know immediately yeah just fought with everyone he never he never said i had to sacrifice her or anything and so what thanos do you guys didn't know think about the- there did he
2: so. no no you didn't know. so what do you guys think about the execution of the scene um
1: i mean I, I again as soon as they were actually up there i was like oh this is good because they're going to have a fight and then whoever loses is going to be the one who survives and i thought that's a really nice way of of pitting those two characters against each other because mm. you know they've done a hawkeye and black widow fight before but it's mm. a it's a really good way to give it some actual stakes and like especially because you're sitting there going like i don't want black widow to die I want Hawkeye to
2: <laughs> that die shot of yeah <laughs> that shot of Hawkeye running running in slow motion looking sideways that was that callback to an earlier I feel like that was a callback to an earlier shot and I can't quite remember
1: maybe nothing springing to mind
2: mm. anyway um I, again I kind of find as soon as they got up there. I felt like the character who had to die was Black Widow. Well, yeah, because they, it had to... I mean, there's an element where, I'm, where I was a bit annoyed by the
3: scene in terms of does it always have to be the female characters that get murdered yes. at that point. Um, the,
2: but, the optics at that specific point in the movie are not great.
3: no but also but what it what that does say to you is that black widow is a character who we care about and hawkeye isn't the whole point is we knew it had to be black widow because <laughs> if, if it was hawkeye we wouldn't have cared well oh, <laughs> so, no I, it uh, had even, to be even you joe we wouldn't have cared as much if it had been hawkeye uh, well it
2: ma- it matters more because she she has always been a bigger part of this <laughs> of this franchise she was, uh, well, I guess, introduced slightly before. But, yeah, she's she's always been a more crucial part of the franchise. Yeah. Yes, I, I care about Hawkeye as well. But I, I just thought that, yeah, the, the way that those, what those characters have, the way they've been set up.
1: Well, I mean, like here's, here's a question. It, just has,
2: it has to be Black Widow. Here's
1: a question. What does Bruce Banner think of Hawkeye?
2: Oh, yeah, no, that's know? true. Yeah, no, because right.
1: they've shared several <laughs> films together, but yeah have they uh, have they even spoken to each other i i genuinely
2: can't remember the interesting stuff in age of ultron is all about hawkeye you know hawkeye kind of realizes that that he isn't that important to everyone else Mm -hmm. but he but he recognizes his own importance um and it's and it is and the character that he matters to is natasha yeah um so it it just yeah yeah on
1: the flip side black widow important to everyone yes so absolutely it was never going to be anyone yeah. else as soon as they were went off together you're like ah, okay
3: and yet and there, was, said, there is a sense and I've, I've i've kind of talked about this off off the episode kind of with 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 people that i think it the um because of where and when it happens and there there is a reaction to it but it get but you know the fact that such an important character Dies and properly dies at this point in this film really does get kind of lost in the shuffle by the end,
2: which is why I think you've got a prequel movie. Um, yeah, like the 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 only justification you can have for how little time they give to the character and the fact that she's not there when everyone is together at the end feels like a shame.
3: And, and like especially, saying, bear in mind, it's followed as well. Probably the first time we've had since Winter Soldier a reprise of that platonic friendship chemistry mm-hmm. between Natasha and Steve. That peanut mm. butter sandwich scene is so good. And <laughs> like everything about their relationship in that scene is so good. And it just makes me go, oh, we didn't get enough of that over the movie. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh,
2: yeah. It, it's. I I don't think it is. I think the scene itself is really good, but I think the optics immediately that it was Gamora that died last time and it was Black Widow that died this time are not great. I think when you actually step back and look at who is completely off the table after these two movies and it's Cap Captain America and Iron Man are have got uh, like Iron Man's dead, Cap's gone, Vision is dead, Loki is dead and Black Widow's dead. Is that everyone or is it someone else?
1: Uh, I think that's
2: everyone. Yeah, and and Gamora is Gamora's back, we presume, but not in her original. But not. well,
3: well, here's a thing. Actually, if we want to jump to that, because I my I had an assumption which was that Gamora ran off and disappeared. Right. Yeah. Yeah. But think about this: who clicked the fingers to wipe out Thanos and all of Thanos's people? Tony. Does Tony know who Gamora is? As far no, as I... Tony's concerned, Gamora is with Thanos. Uh,
0: Gamora it's, it's could
3: Seb, well have
2: got snapped by Tony. Seb, she didn't though, did she? <laughs> like, I know you can say that, but she didn't. And, the re- and didn't like, the she? reason what she... happened to no. her then? She she's she ran, ran off. off yeah. Did we see yeah. her? We didn't see her. If we didn't see Seven. her turn
1: to dust, she didn't turn to dust. <laughs> Not a Seven. character that big.
2: You know you know as well as we do. No, no I'm just saying but logically, there's no, no reason logic- she shouldn't Logically have got the hand wave is that Tony clicks his singers and everyone that is fighting yeah, against them. He dies.
1: he says <laughs> Than like universe or infinity stones get rid of thanos's army. She is not yeah, and on she Thanos, was part army. Of Thanos' army. No, no, no. He's... No, she's
2: not she's fighting with them.
1: Yeah, she's fighting she's, she's turned yeah. on Thanos by that point. And he's yeah, not he doesn't, he doesn't know like the that. name of every individual like Space gorilla. <laughs> <laughs> he's just thinking everyone who's not on our side gone. <laughs>
3: I'm just saying, you could the if they want to, they can take it either way. I think. But why, why would they want yeah,
2: to? Why would they so? want to? This like... is the point. Guardians Three. We want to make Guardians Three crap. <laughs> 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 we want we want to take the most compelling character and remove her from Guardians Three. Let's <laughs> not. It's not going to happen. Um, where were we? <laughs> so Black Widow's death. Yeah. Um, I I can only hope that, that 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 movie that we're getting next year. Um, is the fitting send-off to that character that we deserve. Because the other thing in all of the time travel stuff, it's very difficult to... Ha- even with that scene in there where they are all going to each other, no, she's gone, she's gone, she can't come back, she's gone. And then to 20 minutes later in the same movie go... Well, do you remember the, the character who that same thing happened to in the last movie? She's back. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's, it's difficult to make that argument when you've already established that the rules do not state that. Like Cap could have gone back to five minutes before, right? And gone, yoink, uh, you've got to come back now because yeah. we've already established the past is the past and the past is fixed. Again, we're back uh, to
1: what's emotionally true versus what the plot yes. states can happen. Yeah. yeah.
2: I just, I just think it's that's the one section of the movie that feels a little bit clunky, even though I enjoy the scene in scene. The thing tough.
1: that I wondered about is how come when Thanos gets the Soul Stone, he gets to go and chat with Baby Gamora. Why doesn't Clint get a moment the same where he goes and talks to Natasha as he first met her or something?
2: Yeah, I thought we were. I thought we were maybe going to see that. Mm-hmm. Maybe that's maybe that's a deleted scene on the blue. Yeah,
1: I wonder. I do wonder.
2: Yeah. And maybe it's maybe it's just very difficult to show her carrots are dead, and then show her a second later having a chat with him. That could have been. Oh, what if that's the Catherine Langford deleted scene? It uh, could be could from be. when from from when they first met. Because I did wonder that as well. Catherine Langford does not show up in this movie, yeah. and Black Widow hadn't started filming when she was when she had that Instagram yeah, post. Yeah, so. interesting. Hmm. Okay, so the final the final part of the time travel section is uh, the two characters that have a lot of history, and it's really interesting to see them hanging out on the screen. <laughs> it's Nebula and War Machine, <laughs> <laughs> where the movie just basically goes. And the well, War Machine has to go. War Machine has to go somewhere. <laughs> so here, should we say he goes here? Sure, he goes here.
1: Tell um, tell me, War Machine punching Star Lord in the face wasn't the best moment of great. that entire flashback. <laughs>
3: Well, uh, that, no, and, and... I, w- I would say the best moment was the bit that I was waiting for, and that we got, which was the opening sequence of Guardians yeah. from the perspective
2: of not having headphones on. <laughs> mm.
1: Yeah, and War Machine going, "So he's an idiot."
2: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so that that was that was funny, but all of all of the kind of again, all of the actually actually getting the stone is 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 just functional. They get yeah. What. What that sequence is there for is to bring Thanos back into the present day. And again, I I thought this was really smart because Nebula, I find, a really compelling character in this movie. In the first Guardians movie, I thought Karen Gillan was pretty weak. And when you compare what she was doing in that movie, which mm-hmm. was like snarling and not really connecting to what she is o- now.
3: overshouting over and letting her accent slip through. <laughs> <laughs>
2: I thought she was. I thought she was fantastic in this, and I thought yeah. Nebula as a character was fascinating. And you know, I, we, we talked about Cap fighting himself. Cap fighting himself is just one a, a guy from the past fighting a guy from the future. They're fundamentally the same guy. Nebula coming up against her past self and and actually having to kind of look look herself in the face and see what she was um, <laughs> and dispatching uh, it I,
1: I, quite you know definitively. She fights mm. herself and she goes, "No, young me yeah. is dead now, because I have yeah. killed her."
2: That was well because because that was a Thanos creation <clears throat> and the character I am now is yeah, but like it, myself. that's the
1: thing I mean about like when action services character, like she kills mm. the young version of herself, but that's that's a metaphor for her moving on from yeah from you know what Thanos made her.
2: And I like that the movie kind of has earlier Gamora as. That because that's Gamora just before Guardians of the Galaxy, she has already figured out that she like she's already done with Thanos, she's done trying to please him, she's kind of already turned against him without actually having the balls to go off and do it. Um, but that's a carrot who's also already kind of already wants to kind of connect to her sister, so they can still have the relationship that they got to by the end of Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 2 mm-hmm. and and uh, Avengers Infinity War without you know, with the past version of Gamora. So I thought that was nice as well, that you didn't with that time jump invalidate that relationship uh between between two really interesting female characters. I mean they could um, they could
1: still do a thing where in Guardians three they kind of they bring back her memories or something. It could be like, you know, Black Widow's in the Soulstone now, so Gamora's consciousness goes into Gamora.
2: I don't think so, but I think that I think they're gonna have fun with that, that that a character that, that Gamora has to acknowledge that she fell for Peter Quill. Even <laughs> though she's like she's like, really? I'm this guy. Yeah. <laughs> um, the choice is
1: we're him or a tree.
2: Yeah, again, wonderful. Um so yeah, I I, I I liked all of that. Um and then I thought the way that they brought Thanos back into it was smart. That he has to be the big bad at the end of that. And I was having this conversation with Reese. Was like, Reese was saying, "Do you think it felt right that like that's not the Thanos that they had, that they had fought before? Like, it's not do they, they don't have a history with that version." I was like, "Yeah, but again, that's a character, much like Captain America. Thanos is always Thanos. He doesn't go on a he doesn't go on a character arc during uh, during Infinity War. Yes, we track him, and yes, he's a protagonist, but." The only thing that happens to him is that he gives up Gamora, otherwise, he is just executing a plan that he's wanted to execute for a long time. And also, he's
1: got, he's got, like, he's got past, uh, what am I looking for? The word. (sighs) Like, he has a relationship with the Avengers, even if they don't know it, because at this point in in his history, he's already been responsible for the attack on New York. And he's like, oh, Avengers.
2: Yeah, I know these guys, and because he gets to watch everything through Nebula's eye, mm-hmm. he gets he gets caught up on things. I love that he gets to watch the I'm inevit-, the inevitable line. He sees <laughs> yeah, and like he's
1: like, oh, I'm having that.
2: <laughs> it's basically, if anything, all he gets is more validation of everything that he's always trying to he's been trying to do was right, and it is achievable. So he gets this like, holy shit, the thing that I've committed my life to is there it's in my grasp and actually if i play this right i can do it right now Mm -hmm. and and not only that that what what he explains to cap shortly after that is no and i'm gonna double down on it this time i'm gonna absolutely double down it's not that i just need to do this thing i need to go even further um so yeah I, I, i liked all that and then bringing again it feels like a little bit convenient that that Nebula knows how to get the entire <laughs> the entirety of Thanos and his fleet to time travel back into <laughs> into 2023 or whenever it is. Um, given how hard it was just to, you know, with the pin particles to get them small and through the quantum. I don't know how they did it, but they did it. <laughs> but I I've, I've, I've thought it was clever. And then again, to give you like that small moment of, okay, we're back in the present. Hulk snaps snapped his fingers and we get this brief moment of there's Laura ringing Clint on the phone. Ant-Man looks out into the world and suddenly it feels like it's full of wildlife and life. They get, they get <laughs> it's it full it of without...
1: They brought back all the best. <laughs>
2: <laughs> and presumably the same is going down in Wakanda with the rhinos. <laughs> um, <laughs> and they give you that for just a brief enough second to go, yes, it's worked, but they don't let you...
1: Yeah, it doesn't feel like you, a victory at that point, does it?
2: It doesn't feel like a victory and it you also don't relax. I didn't feel you just go uh-oh. Now what? And you and do, I I don't feel... did you guys did you process in that moment like oh so everyone else is back now and they're going to turn up and help in a minute. It just felt like oh no shit we, we I am focused on what's happening right here. I'm not thinking about uh Black Panther and yeah. Spider-Man. I mean, you the assume they're presumably
1: back. out there, but you don't think there's any way for them to get to where they need to be. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Like it doesn't cross mm. your mind that oh hey they're just also, gonna turn have up. to come
3: to terms with like being back before they go yeah. and do anything. It's like,
2: yeah, yeah. So so <laughs> then we get the creation of the black rubbled landscape.
1: <laughs> Which uh, Ant Man does I mean, quite well to take like a you know a bomb in the face and still survive. I, I was like, did they just kill Ant Man?
2: Yes, me too. I thought they. I thought that. We had maybe lost multiple characters there, yeah. but every, everyone survives. <laughs> um, and yeah, we're now on this on this black, murky battlefield. Um, I I I feel like really here we what we need to fast forward to is Thanos sitting down and waiting, and Thor, yeah. Cap, and Iron Man going to fight him because that is. That's your that's your 3 OG Avengers yeah, the, because the big
1: 3 Avengers are those characters yeah. like Widow,
2: and Hulk, if, Widow and Hawkeye were always the were always the kind of the backups they didn't well, have their the own key is, I was going to say yeah they didn't have their own films that's yeah. that's the the difference <laughs> and and Hulk Mark Ruffalo Hulk never had his own movie I mean in either. in in the <laughs>
1: comics right it's generally accepted that if you want an Avengers team you have to have Captain America Thor or Iron Man on it and yeah. then it's not the it's not the Avengers without one of them at least because they're you know they're the mm. big three Avengers, that's what they're called.
3: <laughs> yeah, it's like I and can't, then, can't have the Justice League without Martian Manhunter.
2: <laughs> <laughs> and then I like that they all they all go and fight him. Um, I love that when Thor transforms, <laughs> he gets into a his, braid. Like, he gets a braid in his beard just to look slightly less shit. <laughs> But with Stormbreaker and Mjolnir as well, he does it. It it does feel pretty badass. And again, I think this is a smart storytelling way of going. Like, okay, at the end of Infinity War, when Thor turned up, he was so powerful. He basically, if he'd have if he'd have gone for the head, he would have defeated Thanos. He's armed with that knowledge this time. But now he's a fat drunk who is no longer sure of himself. And so you've you've essentially depowered a character. We, but but done it in through character, yeah. which psychologically is psychologically depowered me. him. Yes, that doesn't feel like a kryptonite kind of thing. That feels like a mm-hmm. this this is this is this is entirely fair. Um, so, uh, in much the same way as I would say later in the sequence, they don't quite figure out Captain Marvel's powers in the in the context of all of this. <laughs> um, so they have their fight. Uh, Thor gets overpowered. Um, Thor throws Mjolnir at Thanos, and Thanos holds up Iron Man. <laughs> which I thought was brutal. Holds up Iron Man as a shield, and yeah, Iron Man yeah. gets knocked out by, by <laughs> yeah. it. By yeah. But it gives you what it... What it well, well, so Thor doesn't get overpowered immediately, does he? Uh, Thor, Thor kind of is there, down on the ground. Uh, he's got Stormbreaker there, but we have had this conspicuous cutaway to Mjolnir. Yeah. Now, again, I think this is a moment that felt like it could be coming in the movie, uh, but I did not expect it to come and to be executed in this cool fashion. <laughs> to have Mjolnir fly out... So he's about to kill Thor, isn't he? He's, he's, got, he's got his sword and he's pressing it into Thor's chest. It's a reverse of the end of Infinity War. And Mjolnir flies in out of nowhere and knocks Thanos off, and then we track it. As it goes back to Cap, he kind of braces with it and goes back a check. (laughs) And my entire audience, like, more than any moment in the movie, just went, everyone kind of collectively went,
1: (laughs) Oh! Both screens screens I saw that got the biggest applause.
3: Absolutely. it, It will just... That's just... Is there and then Thor a moment that will oh Thor's reaction I knew it. <laughs> yeah, I that, knew it. I knew it. Wonderful <laughs> Thor's reaction there. Um, but yeah just I that is just that's just comics. Mm-hmm. That that moment is just I, I can I can find no other word to describe it than that is comics. Captain America picking up Mjolnir and using it to fight Thanos.
2: No but, just, but again it's not just Cool character has picked up cool item and is now going to fight the bad guy with it. It is... This is an an item that has explicitly been set up, and that scene in Age of Ultron is great, but it's been set up as you can only hold this up if you are worthy, and no other character, however good a superhero they are, are as pure as Captain America. To be
3: fair, you've obviously never seen... Panels in which Superman is holding both Mjolnir and Captain America's shield at the same time.
2: <laughs> no, I've not, and I don't intend to seek them out. It's from uh, JLA Avengers. Yeah. very good. Uh, anyway, but yeah, I, I it, it, to see to to like have that. It just it's, it's just the movies going. Yeah, this guy right here, he's the best of us. And then mm. and then Reese said to me, he was like, "Did it track that he's then like? I, know, I get he can lift it, but." Then he's like throwing down lightning and stuff, and I'm like, yeah. "Yes, because he he, he who is so worthy yeah. shall wield the power of Thor. It's the power of whosoever Thor. whosoever holds you know. this oh. hammer,
1: if he be worthy, yeah. shall possess yeah. the power of Thor."
2: Yeah. Oh, and it's and it is so good that sequence where he is throwing down with the shield <laughs> and Mjolnir at the same time, and again, it just it it matters because it's that character, yeah. And because he is worthy and because he is bringing it to Thanos in that moment. Um, My only problem and then with, you get- with like that fight scene is that there are so many times when
1: they almost beat him and then don't and then almost beat him and then don't. And you're just like, oh, come on. What more can you do? Because like when <laughs> when Cap like fights in with Mjolnir and the shield and I was like, this is it. Like He's finally done it. And no, he hasn't done it. <laughs> and I was like, oh, come so- on. Like-
2: but they established that in the first movie. They established that this is a character who can beat the shit out of Hulk in, tw- in 10 seconds. This is a character who can fight five Avengers at once and says all of that for a drop of blood. So it's been established. <laughs> it's been established that it's really fucking hard to kill Thanos, yeah. even with the even with these three Avengers. Um, and, so, and, and And I thought, again, him hacking the hell out of the shield was a great visual and Cap on the ground. And so did anyone there think that Cap was going to die? Nah. No,
3: because of the Peggy stuff had been set up. Yes. So, <laughs> so, so, yeah.
2: So that's that's the reason I didn't. But I think if you weren't... Maybe if you didn't have our theory in the back of your mind... Yeah. ...with with Peggy and with with it being dangled out there that someone needs to return the Infinity Stones at the end, I, I can... There was a there was a split second where I went, Oh does does he get to the and so he's on the ground <laughs> he is struggling to get back up he eventually does because he's Captain America and he's awesome and he buckles up the shield and then we get which I I mean this moment is glorious, the on your left. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> And then the the sh- the portals open up, and I I, I just say again for an eleven year twenty one movie franchise, this is the this is Marvel Studios, this is Kevin Feige, this is everyone else stepping back and going, look what we built, because here is everyone and everything, <laughs> and it is hey Thanos, you might be able to overpower this guy or this guy or this guy, but can you empower? can you have a power literally all of earth's mightiest heroes because this is all of them um and and i thought it was appropriate that t'challa came through first because he does he feels like the captain america successor Mm -hmm. right absolutely he is our new he is our new moral noble heart at the center of the marvel cinematic universe um but just watching everyone come through and watching watching steve rogers reaction to it i got properly choked up
1: this is i I tweeted like the only thing i can say about this film is that i was like shaking for the last 20 minutes of it or something (laughs) like everything from this bit onwards i was like properly had like an adrenaline surge going through me of like holy shit this is amazing
2: but it wasn't it didn't feel like I didn't feel like I was getting choked up or thinking, wow, what a moment in a like, in I did with the with the Mjolnir moment a second before of like, oh my God, this is awesome. That is so cool. Um, that moment was like, it, it was kind of like tingles because it was like, here are all these people who have got Captain America's back. And here is what this thing that I've invested in for so long, here it is visually represented in its totality. And like I said, from a from a Iron Man perspective, I was going. There you go, Iron Man. That is your that's your shield around the world. That's that's what you've been trying to create. And without you really realizing it, by becoming Iron Man eleven years ago, this is this is what you created. <laughs> and 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 visually, the representation of it with all of the with all of Doctor Strange's portals. Um, I like that they took the pause for the the really emotional Spider Man Iron Man, uh,
4: <laughs>
2: that them reuniting, but also for Spider Man to like, hey, I'm going to quickly explain to you how this happened. <laughs> so we were dusted. It was almost like we. D- it was almost like passing out, and then we kind of turned back up. And Doctor Strange told us all that we'd been dead for five years, <laughs> and we all had to come back here to help you out.
3: <laughs> Wouldn't um, Peter have come back to life
2: on? Uh, was it Titan they went to? Or did yeah, you know? he did. Yeah. Yes, but with Doctor did. Strange. Yeah, um. and he swung through the portal from Titan. Yep.
3: Can Can Doctor Strange do a portal
1: all the way there? Why not?
3: Yes. Why did
2: they go in a spaceship the previous time then?
1: I would well, argue he, it's because he wasn't traveling, you have to visualise where you're going Titan, right, to make he? a portal. He can't visualise yes, the place yeah, he's yeah. not been to.
2: Yeah. yeah and that's yeah that's also true that that's I just don't know that's how he's visualized the route to be honest but yeah. well,
1: you know it's well, just he the place know. just avengers he's see- thingy and he
2: and he has seen the future yeah. don't forget yeah. he's seen that future so he knows exactly <laughs> where he needs to go if you to.
1: want to fudge it how do, how does he visualize uh wasp on a rooftop who he's never met <laughs> and never heard of <laughs>
2: Because he's seen all of the future. Yeah,
1: because he's seen that, and he's yeah. like, oh, I guess that person's out there somewhere.
2: Yeah, where uh, Michael Douglas didn't choose to come through. No, I'll wait back here. Hope <laughs> <laughs> you go off and enjoy your avenging. Him And Michelle Pfeiffer
1: are like, uh, not now. We haven't got our suits with this, so you know.
2: Yeah, we'll just we'll see you at the funeral. Do you uh, do you feel like in in that sequence? I kind of felt like Wong has out of nowhere. He feels like one of the crucial parts of of the MCU. Like if Wong hadn't been there, I would have been really disappointed. I, th- I, I kind of I, I think maybe I feel the way about Wong now that James did about War Machine after <laughs> after Marvel Phase One. That I'm like, Wong is the supporting character that I have an emotional attachment yeah, to. Yeah,
1: I mean, I but think also, the fact he was in Infinity it's Benedict War, Benedict Wong. Yeah,
3: that's just, that's what I can't get over is that, that like a, a, a character played by Benedict Wong off of. Like loads of British comedy of the two thousands
2: is now a major part of these films. <laughs> and he's great in them. Yeah. Um okay, so at this point we're at we're at the major battle. Um Ooh, there's, a, and there's yeah, we a we thing can... we haven't mentioned yet. Ooh, which is
1: Pepper. Pepper turns up oh,
2: and she's in her finally
1: finally in the armour.
2: <laughs> yes. <laughs> Which Gwyneth Paltrow kind of ruined about a year ago. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that it was that it was coming. But I kind of expected can I, can, it at the I, start I wonder, of I this actually, movie.
3: Just, just say a really weird thing with Pepper actually. Did anyone else get a really weird feeling? When we when it cut to Tony living his, you know, tranquil life with his wife and daughter, it was a long time yes, before it yep. actually showed that it was Pepper. <laughs> And yeah, I, I think was that worried. was Just back in my mind of like, is it not going to be Pepper? Uh, I
1: think that was just with have we got Gwyneth Paltrow for like two days. So <laughs>
2: I wasn't worried that it wasn't going to be Pepper. I was worried that they were going to fudge not showing her. Yeah. Hmm. I was. This. I was. There was an interesting thing. I, I was. I, I've read so much Marvel stuff over the last couple of weeks. I can't tell you where this came from, Uh but someone talking about how basically her contract was up after. The first avengers movie uh oh sorry after iron man 3 Mm -hmm. and so the reason you didn't see her in age of ultron and civil war was her contract was done and that they were basically gonna do a jane foster where she kind of disappeared and they didn't talk talk about her again but not because they wanted to just because they couldn't afford or they weren't willing to pay what gwyneth paltrow wanted to come yeah
1: well in fairness gwyneth paltrow was in retirement right she's not
2: from acting yeah, she's, not, you know,
1: she's off selling yeah. you know mineral eggs or whatever um, <laughs>
2: um and so then you get spider-man homecoming and sony goes so we, we, we can have iron man goes, yeah if you want to pay robert down jr yeah yeah we do okay uh so and do we get the supporting cast as well um uh, well i mean gwyneth, we're, we're not doing anything with gwyneth anymore no no we'll pay We'll pay for that to happen, and so the relationship kind of gets struck back up there, and hence she shows back up in the in these in these two Avengers movies. And in retrospect, could you imagine this without Pepper? Because at the end, the three characters that walk up to Tony as he's dying, you get Rhodey who walks up and it's kind of best friend just tearing up, tapping on the shoulder, and kind of being like, "Shit!" and then Peter. The, the legacy the 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 guy who he's established this relationship with in the last three movies kind of going up and and being like this kid who can't quite process what he's seeing and just wanting Tony to know that he saved the day but the end the the moment you need is the Pepper stuff <laughs> that's that's what feels it feels so crucial to that character that she's to there. be fair and thank goodness that she is
1: if it hadn't been Pepper it would have been Cap right that's what they'd have done.
2: But again, I find the Cap intri- the cap relationship is important.
1: <clears throat> I mean, it, it's but a different are... movie without Pepper. I'll, I'll give you that. <clears throat> but I think they could have but still yeah, done g-
2: it. But I, I, I feel like Pepper is the one character who always understands Tony. She's the character that sees through the bravado and sees through the arrogance and sees through the, the like, trying to mask his pain and his insecurity through the, the bullshit that he does. Mm-hmm. I don't think even Cap does. Cap... Because because Cap engages with him in those arguments. Cap doesn't realise what's really yeah. hurting Tony. Yeah, definitely. Um, the one character that has always seen him is Pepper. And, I, yeah, I'm, I will be forever thankful to Sony, if that's the case, that, that they paved the way for her being in that scene. <laughs> Could you imagine the funeral without her? <laughs> God. Um... Any of any other favourite moments from the sequence? I, I I mentioned the Ant-Man and the Wasp one. Giant man showing up in the background. Oh, all was, was amazing. Stepping on a space um,
1: gorilla.
3: I, I I would like to note that given that we get a total of about like three minutes of footage um, of Scarlet Witch in the film, the Russo still managed to find a way to point the camera directly <laughs> yeah. down her cleavage. Come on, guys. And... Uh, Friend friend of the pod and and, for, and uh, previous guest, uh, Lamara, uh, said, actually, it, it remarked on this as well to me and said, uh, you don't get points for your faux wokeness when you do shit like that. Referring to that, you know, what is bitterly that excellent shot of the group of female characters together, um, but to sort of applaud yourself for that and at the same time still fall back on on shots like that and it's it's so glaring i just i don't understand why they don't think anyone doesn't notice
2: but weirdly i didn't i didn't notice i definitely <laughs> noticed i believe you because i know they've done it before so yeah um the shot of all of the all of the female characters together is really cool i think it's cool because of the way that... It's not like that they all just show up. It is that one walks onto... The, well, the, the funniest thing is that Spider-Man's there at the start of that shot. Yeah, and he just has it. to... They're
3: all rallying to... <laughs>
2: yeah, but the, I like that he has to kind of, like, almost, like, tiptoe backwards out of the shot. As all these characters as, um, assemble around him. Oh, we didn't talk about assemble. Oh, <laughs> uh, Yeah. <laughs> i mean it's it's nice it's the payoff isn't yeah. it we don't it, i don't know what to say it's good i liked it um, it's, um oh,
3: the, no,
2: as, as, all, as all of those female characters come up i like how they just kind of like one character and then the camera kind of pans slightly right and then up and that they they just show up one at a time and it's and almost then like of realize what they're doing <laughs> the
1: thing is that yeah right? and the, like the, the the lead into that scene like so captain marvel appears like fucks up thanos's flagship which is an awesome moment because like how does she beat a spaceship she just flies through it and then it's uh. destroyed um and then they're like oh, how are you going to get the gauntlet over there on your own and she's they're like oh she's not on her own it's like yeah, she just flew through a spaceship is, like <laughs> these yeah. meat sacks are not going to matter
2: well, that's why I, I think. That I don't think they had figured out Captain Marvel and how to make her work in this movie. Oh. Um, I like. I so I rewatched um, Captain Marvel the day before I watched uh, Endgame, and I I think they do a really good job with the character in that movie. I think they figure out the character. They ha- when when they shot and wrote this, they hadn't figured out a the character. Brie Larson's performance feels weirdly a bit antagonistic with everyone that she that she talks to um i think the haircut whilst that is obviously a comics reference looks a bit shit um i liked, and I liked the redesign costume
3: as well actually i
2: i but i i think mostly they hadn't figured out the power set because you mm. can't go from one minute blowing up a spaceship to the next minute how are you going to get from one side of the battlefield to the other <laughs> Well, she's going to fly over really fast, yeah. <laughs> or she could literally fly through them. That wouldn't be a problem. I was say, she would be like would, a hot if, note if of butter. This, yeah. And then she, and then she gets to Thanos, and I think they, I thought they did fair, a better Thanos job has got of it. The gauntlet at that point, so. hmm. but I think they did a better job of it the second time. But Thanos has only got Thanos only has the benefit of the gauntlet <clears> when he is using the gauntlet, and the first time he goes up against uh, Captain Marvel, he literally just bats her away. And then it's the second time when she... Fl- I think the second time they do a lot better job of it, where she flies back towards him, holds open the fist, and sh- and he punches her and literally nothing happens. That's great. And then him figuring out, oh no, I, I know how I get rid of her. Lit- yeah. Use Blast one in of the, the Infinity from the power Stones stone. separately. Yes, that that is clever. But the, r- the other stuff I kind of thought, yeah, uh, this just doesn't feel right. And then even her has stood there at the funeral at the end. It didn't feel like (laughs) yeah, apart from everyone. Yeah, apart from everyone, she doesn't have her people yet. She doesn't have a relationship with these guys. And when the tag of the last movie was, this character is so important to defeating Thanos. Really, what she's important for is saving Tony's life. I was going to say. I mean, that is
3: like. Thanos doesn't get defeated if she doesn't save Tony at the start.
2: Yeah, but <laughs> you can say there to do. You can say that about 20 different things in the movie. <laughs> like, like Thanos doesn't get defeated. <laughs> yeah, unless unless Captain Marvel and the rat. Uh, so <laughs> yeah, I I just thought that that was the one area where the uh, in in that final sequence Captain Marvel didn't work for me. And it does make it it does double down on that worry of How do you make this character interesting in future movies without depowering her? And we'll see. We will see. Well, I think the answer is you have her going
3: off and being... I I do wonder... I'm not sure that she's going to be that well integrated into the setup of everything else. Especially when you bear in mind that all of the kind of the big powered characters i suppose with the exception of maybe dr strange have been kind of taken off the table thor's off and away and obviously all the other kind of ones who've come from space have gone off the the big scale characters have gone and i think what we'll see next i i I kind of hope we'll see stories strip back down a little bit you'll get the kind of the spider-man level you'll have black panther doing his thing um and i'm not sure she fits and i think what you want to see from her is actually her going off and doing the cosmic stuff um and seeing her being a defender of other planets like she talked about doing i want to see the scrolls again you know and, and dealing with all of that stuff
2: yeah i i think it has to be that kind of stuff personally and she doesn't have that connection on earth um other than the thing Monica is Rambo. Whenever she... I mean, people
3: talked about her kind of coming back and being like the new leader of the Avengers and stuff, and it's just it doesn't feel like that. She's but, not going to be the, the leader,
2: but like
1: we don't know what the next phase of Avengers movie is going to be, right? If I'm I'm fairly sure. Okay, I mean, yeah, we're making. I can so I things. can make a, at least one prediction, which is that if they've got the Fox rights, the one thing again, like we imagine they have these big whiteboards at Marvel. There is one there with Galactus written on.
2: Yeah. yeah. <laughs>
1: because if you're picking like, okay, we just did 10 years of Infinity Stones. What's next? Galactus is the biggest villain that you can do. Yeah.
2: I agree. Especially when you have established now a universe and there are other planets that you know and recognize yeah. that that would make that would because make sense.
1: Because Halo um, is going to be eaten and then he's going to come for Earth and Captain Marvel can't blast Galactus in the face. So yeah. you can do that story, but you know, speculation. But it's
2: what we're here yeah. for. Yeah, <laughs> I, I, she is. She is though. Like she was the most powerful character by some margin before. She definitely is after this movie because I mean, Tony Stark's tech had got so ridiculous as well mm-hmm. that he kind of he kind of felt like you can't make him any more powerful. Um, the only other, the only other character that has anywhere near, near that level of power is Dr. Strange. And Dr. Strange post this movie has lost any power over time manipulation that he had previously. Uh, so he can't look into the future to find the one way where you win again. Mm -hmm. Um, and also you, you are presumably heading into a second movie where his villain Baron Mordo is going to be setting about trying to rid the universe of magic. Having had a five year Um, break,
1: presumably where he was like, I guess that's not important anymore.
2: Slash. No, having a five-year break, where, where he has been, where he's been off trying to remove uh, magic from the universe. I would you imagine. Could, I
1: guess you could argue, like the events of this movie will make him even more determined to take the magical stuff off the board because he's going to be like one Infinity Stone yep. is one too many.
2: Yeah, yeah. I can't wait for that. Movie. <laughs> That's the movie I'm mo- I'm most excited about in Phase Four if it does end up being called Phase Four. Yeah. Um, any other moments you liked in this sequence Uh, he's not in it much Uh, I liked Star-Lord getting kneed in the nuts (laughs) (laughs) I liked that you missed them the first time but you got both of them the second time
3: I think um... that these films really are leaning into the fact that we don't like Chris Pratt anymore, aren't they?
2: <laughs> <laughs> it's it's going to be the Tom Cruise thing, isn't it? Like we're going to we're just we're just going to get pleasure out of seeing how badly he gets beaten up.
1: <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I was a, I was a little surprised that Drax didn't get a moment with Thanos because that's mm. that's the character's arc.
3: I mean, there were a lot of people who needed to have their moments with Thanos. I mean, they they gave Scarlet mm. Witch one because of Vision. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I was a little bit at that point when she came back and started
2: having a big go at Thanos for Vision. I was like,
3: "Oh yeah, I forgot about yeah, Vision." Yeah, Vision, a surprising <laughs> omission from this
1: movie. About his existence,
2: I'm kind of, i kind of bummed that he's dead. I know they've said WandaVision is the the Disney Plus show. Uh, so, I again, it's, it, well,
3: it, it was pointed out to me when said, I said, I was a little bit surprised that they didn't find any way to bring him back in some way, but yeah. um, Shuri was already very close to making him work without the Infinity yeah, Stone. Yeah, like
1: Vision died on the edge of the yeah, most yeah. technologically advanced nation on the planet. Yeah. If, if he he'll can he'll come back. back without yeah. Infinity. The thing is though, right, yeah. w- since we're talking about this, those Disney Plus shows feel to me a bit like these are the characters we're done with, so let's silo them off. Like, do you think Scarlet Witch and Vision are going to be in the next Avengers team? Probably not, right?
3: No, no, they don't really have a link to anyone who's left. So maybe, just as a side note
1: on that, maybe Falcon. I really
3: thought there was going to be some Quicksilver somewhere, and I was surprised that he didn't show up at all.
1: Mm. Anyway, sorry. Maybe, like, maybe Falcon will be in the next movie because of this, like, passing over the torch. Yeah, Winter Soldier. Uh, That's the thing. I I think
3: in the shows he's siloed off as Falcon with Winter Soldier whether that's a prequel or whatever they do or whether it's him deciding whether to become I almost think it's like Falcon and Winter Soldier could be he's still Falcon end of that show He'll he be decides he's going to become yeah. Captain America and then he's Captain America in the movies. Yeah.
2: I wonder I I I wonder whether Falcon has a place in the Black Panther sequel. Perhaps that that could potentially be interesting.
1: But again, Loki definitely not coming back for any movies after this one, right?
2: I, maybe I, I maybe thor, wise, thor but, but probably not well I, do we get a thor well they pitched it allegedly hmm. right anyway let's um let's move let, let's move on to kind of the, the stuff at the end of the movie so we've already talked about the the actual showdown with thanos um the, the I, I i loved tony getting the infinity stones and the actual execution of that moment um and all of the stuff that follows it is really moving so yeah, so so at the end we've we've done all the funeral stuff. Uh, it's very sad. We've all cried. Um, yeah. uh, we then get the the goodbye Thor scene, I guess, uh, which is to begin with Thor handing over the reins of Asgard to Valkyrie. Now again, I thought this was this was strange. So I didn't love Valkyrie as much in Thor Ragnarok as everyone else did, but I yeah. do loved I do love Tessa Thompson uh in almost everything else she's in and i thought the accent wasn't quite as distractingly bad in in this movie um but basically as a as a character they kind of stripped away all of the stuff that people loved from the previous movies she found a pegasus somewhere i guess
1: (laughs) it's weird isn't it right because (laughs) (laughs) they clearly like they added her into this movie right there's no way she was in this movie pre-reshoots can we agree on that (laughs)
2: Yeah, it feels like that's because, yeah, like, we know they sense. did a
1: substantial amount of reshoots on this film to basically to pad out into a second movie, and they went, "Well, everyone loved Ragnarok, so let's shove some more Ragnarok in this movie." And that's probably why Korg and Mika there, and it's definitely why Tessa Thompson's here. And yeah,
2: I don't think that's why they did the reshoots though. James, no, 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 to but they, it they, they took I think the it was always a second like, movie.
1: Th- in thinking, okay, we need to pad yeah. out Thor's arc. They went, let's put in some Ragnarok stuff.
2: And I think they just had enough time to reflect on what had been popular from other things yeah, yeah. and people had been asking where Valkyrie was. So there she yeah. is.
1: I mean, and this is what I mean. And Ragnarok had only just come out before they did the reshoot. So, you know, or the extra shooting rather, but
4: hmm.
1: there's no version of, of Valkyrie in Ragnarok who feels like she would become the ruler of Asgard. Right? Like that's uh, not her not- thing.
2: Not that, not that there isn't a version of, but that that's not what people seem to respond to about it. What people liked about the character that she was a, she was like a beer swigging Han Solo, basically. She was the, yeah. she was the the like the Maverick side character, um, and here and it, there's this, none of that. <laughs> here she is, as yeah, she's like just de facto boring kind of noble person who's going to be the new king. Yeah. It kind of it kind of feels like the role that Lady Sif should have played mm-hmm. actually. <laughs> and that and that yeah. actually that Valkyrie's more interesting role would have been off with Thor and the Guardians of the Galaxy. Valkyrie feels like a character who would definitely fit in with the Guardians of the Galaxy.
1: Yeah. No, 100% this should have been Sif and I'm not really sure why mm. it wasn't other than you know, sif got sidelined for various reasons,
2: yeah, so that that I thought was weird, but then we get the we get the as guardians of the galaxy sequence, um, <laughs> which again, so proud that I'd started calling that. <laughs> I still don't know, I still feel like a a Thor four feels like it makes too much sense with Tycho Waititi wanting to make another one and Thor on the board, so. I I hope that what we get is almost a a first act of Guardians of the Galaxy where Thor is around and then he buggers off because that is too funny not to do more with. Uh, but I still want another Taika Waititi Thor movie, uh, especially with Thor like this. But that sequence, this is why I couldn't understand James why you said you kind of thought the joke had got tired by the end because the sequence on the uh, I always forget the name of the ship, the Benatar. Um,
1: no, it's the it's that the Milano was, by this point.
2: Oh, I was the Milano's back. The Milano's the original. Oh, is
1: it? Is it that way around? Sorry.
2: Yeah. Mm. Okay. So, there, but there, uh, that I thought was the funniest sequence of the movie. Am, am I on my own here? Was... I'm not sure about I funniest. Mean, it was enjoyable. I wouldn't. I wouldn't say it was the
3: funniest sequence of the movie because I think <sighs> I think uh, either cat fighting himself or one of many bits with Scott
2: Lang were funnier. Mm. Hemsworth's performance in this scene. <laughs>
3: <laughs> I, the, I do the little think At this and stuff. point, I was a little tired of that version of Thor. And as someone who's a fan of Chris Hemsworth's comedy chops, um, I mean, I know he was more back towards being proper Thor by then. But I think just the look of him still being, you know, loser Thor at that point, I I, I was a bit... It, it was fun, but I don't think it was anything we hadn't already seen with those it, two. Characters. It did
1: feel a bit like they went. That scene in Infinity War was great. Let's do more of it. Yeah.
2: But it's it's the it's the flip of it. <laughs> it's kind of the, It's it's the flip of it where Peter is kind of now like he in the, in that situation he is the serious one who just wants to be lucky after a ship, and this goofy bozo has turned up <laughs> trying to like <laughs> trying to undermine him. Like when Thor turns up in in Infinity War, it is God who look here is this literal God, and could you imagine like Peter even like like standing next to him? Whereas here you're like. Thor's just here to mess you up. Well the, this just... is the
3: thing though, if you if you've
2: turned Thor into Quill, there is literally no reason for Quill to <laughs> But they have... I at don't... all. <laughs> I don't think they've turned him into him. I just think that that I mean that to me just seemed like a real interesting dynamic that I, I would personally like to see more of. And I think Hemsworth in that mode is hilarious. That that like, it's you, it's you. It's mm. <laughs>
3: Can I? Can I just, um, as an aside, by the way, just because, and because we've been talking about Sif, and we talked before about other characters who, you know, characters who potentially survived the snap who just weren't referenced in the film. James, you ran through a a list of them before, and I was just looking that up because I was looking at, oh yeah, what about Sif? And I found an article that listed them and kind of explained about all of them. Uh, and when I got to the bit about Darcy and explained about her personality-free intern and calling her the MCU's favourite <laughs> millennial, I realised I was reading an article written by James.
1: <laughs> I didn't know it had been posted yet. <laughs>
2: <laughs> Amazing. <laughs> it's all true. Uh, um, okay, so I think the last thing that we need to talk about is uh, is back to that final scene with Captain America um so cap goes back in time to replace the, the infinity stones we assume that he is successful in doing that and then e- whether it's in 1970 or whether he travels further back in time again he reunites with peggy he has that dance he lives out his life again and t- and is sat at that bench looking at the lake having turned so to clint Eastwood. Uh, do you know what i thought the effects were real good <laughs>
3: I, 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 I genuinely, I spent a good couple of minutes of that scene thinking it was an actor with Chris Evans' voice no. before realising <laughs> that they had just aged. No, no, just as in, like, I, it looked so much not like him in the sense that it looked too good. The, the ageing was, t- I, it didn't look like it it aged it, Chris Evans to me initially. It just looked like an old man. It was really impressive.
2: Yeah, I thought it was, especially like we t- we we talked about the Peggy scene <clears throat> in um, Winter Soldier before, mm. and that to me was always one of those that were like, oh, this is either really good or really bad. I can't quite figure out from moment to moment. Um, they've perfected it here, to, mm. like the Hulk stuff earlier, like throughout the movie, and and then Cap at the end. They've uh, they're doing some stuff that I don't think any other blockbusters have pulled off that kind of level of aging and de-aged effects michael douglas earlier in the movie was like genuinely
1: genuinely like (laughs) i'm i sort of watch these films and think like fuck imagine what movies are going to be like in 10 20 years like of everything that these movies are doing it's the computer effects that they've perfected like Mm. movie stars in 20 years will not have to age if they don't want to
3: well, the only thing they can't do at the moment is de-age the voices because with Michael Douglas, he sounded very old while being young. Yeah, Michael give it Douglas time though. Give it time. That's that's what they've got to figure out next is getting the voices.
2: Yeah. Um I I thought that I thought Chris Evans was great in that final scene. Um we you guys read this final scene differently in regards to the bookie of it all. So, Seb, your assumption was that Steve had had the conversation with Bucky ahead of time. Yeah. So Bucky already knew what was going on mm-hmm. and James yours wasn't. Um I think I I think I steer closer to James because I I don't think that Cap intended to stay back in time when he left yeah. so I don't think there was the oppor- I don't think there was the opportunity unless old man Old Man Steve had tracked down Bucky ahead of time, but again, I don't think that that's the way that the rules of time travel had kind of been established here. I think it was just that Bucky spotted him. Yeah, that's what um, I think happened. I and
3: mean, yeah, I, I don't necessarily think that Cap had a conversation where he went into intricate detail about exactly what he was going to do, but I think enough, I think it's clear that Bucky knows, whether through being directly told in an off-screen conversation, <clears throat> or just because he knows Steve well enough, Bucky knows full well that when Steve gets into that time machine, he's not coming back.
1: Fine, yeah, I that. mean, so does everyone yeah, in the audience, okay, yeah, though, right? that, yeah, Like, as soon as you yeah, see him go, yeah. you're like, well, that's the last we're seeing of him. But also, uh, it's one... just the way he... the Bookie
3: reacted with no surprise to <laughs> yeah, it's it's soon, probably because
1: he... <laughs>
2: Is this just a comment on Sebastian Stan's acting? Yeah. <laughs> no, I, I I think that the reading I had was that Bucky didn't know what was going to happen, but when he did, he gestured Sam forward and he gave Sam the nod because he he had come to the realization long yeah. ago that if anyone else did ever pick up the shield because of what he'd done, it could never yeah, be. Yeah, he him. could never
1: be Captain and America.
2: And and actually, Sam is the Captain America that that, that, a, that a modern day world needs, and it's not it doesn't need Bucky, it doesn't need Bucky, and it doesn't need Bucky's baggage. And again, I go back to I think the movie correctly recognized that the more the the more interesting dynamic and the more sensible successor to Captain America is Sam. I will say I think that personally from both of them in the in the previous movies I don't feel like either really passed the audition to become Captain no. America personally. Um so I kind of hope that this is this is the the case on whatever TV show they do but and or, or that maybe he carries on going by Falcon but carries the shield. Um but I I mean I couldn't imagine watching a three movie franchise with Anthony Mackie as Captain America just because I, whilst I think Sam's a more interesting character than Bucky, I still don't think he's interesting enough to carry movies.
1: I mean, I sort of think they won't do that though. Like, I don't think there's there's any plan to do a Captain America movie with Anthony Mackie. No,
2: I don't think so. No, either.
1: I think maybe it was but it maybe was, next Avengers movie nice or moment. next you know next MCU movie that warrants it. He, he turns up as Captain America, sure, but only in the sense that he's now. Uh, a sort of vision slash Scarlet Witch slash, you know, Falcon level character who can do that.
2: I think, I think Thor aside, the MCU would be wise to kind of keep the majority of the characters, the, the characters they've taken off the board, and the and the characters who are who are tied to that to them, largely away from these movies for as long as possible. Yeah, I so if you want to. Th- Anyone other than Hemsworth, anyone from phase one other than Hemsworth shouldn't be in a movie for at least four or five years. And then when they are, it kind of feels like, oh, hey, they're back. And it kind of feels like a moment. Yeah.
1: Well, I think probably next the next Avengers movie isn't going to be for probably four or five years. And we probably won't yes, see a lot yeah. of those characters until then.
2: Yeah. So we think we're getting, what, Black Widow, Shang-Chi, The Eternals, Doctor Strange 2, Black Panther 2, Captain Marvel 2. Maybe Ant-Man 3. The, go- uh, G- Guardians three, maybe Ant Man three. Um, there's no need to bring any of those characters yeah. in. I will. I will say, I still think there is a point in the future where Robert Downey Jr. is a voice in a suit, and I think there's a moment in the future where Chris Evans turns up in the old in the old man makeup or in a in a flashback to a scene set in the seventies or whatever. I think. Or, I think you know. it's more likely that we see Cap
1: again that we see chris evans again okay. than we see In any involvement with robert, with robert downey jr i think this is the kind of wolverine slash hugh jackman like i've done it i've nailed it i've got nothing more to gain from going back to it
2: no i just think it's you know if if it feels like something that 10 years from now would make sense
1: uh, i sort of think the next time we see any tony stark it's going to be recast I hope not. yeah well that's the thing isn't it i don't think i don't think we'll ever
3: get that unless you mean way way down the line when the whole thing is being completely redone yeah yes. probably
1: yeah, or, yeah. you know when enough time has passed that they can do something new and say like oh we pulled iron man out the timeline here's your new here's your new iron man whatever, they, where, whatever it, way they go i think probably probably chris Evans cap yeah within the next five ten years robert Downey jr never no chance
2: all future speculation aside, uh, just looking back on 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 the MCU for, th- through these first three phases, and I know they've said that Spider-Man: Far From Home is technically going to fall under that, so fine. But this, obviously, this does feel like the the culmination of everything they've done so far. There are a lot of people that have contributed to this, and a lot of uh, a lot of directors, writers. Um, but uh, you know, when when you're actually watching this up, up on screen. The one thing, and and that moment at the end, right at the end of the credits, with just the noise of the the hammer on metal, <laughs> calling back to the first Iron Man movie. I, I I, really don't think you can underestimate Robert Downey Jr.'s performance and and how important that is in in he all really, that we've he seen. He really did bang that metal. <laughs> 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 yeah, for the for the past decade, and and to to, to keep turning back up, and and he is whilst there are other things that there are there are other people and there are other characters and performances in this franchise robert downey jr as iron man is the thing that has brought audiences to cinemas mm-hmm. in numbers like iron man turns up in a movie it makes a lot more money like the the, the bump for winter that winter soldier got after uh, avengers was was big because people cared about um, Cats America now but the bump that Civil War got from Winter Soldier because it was an Iron Man movie as well this time <laughs> was enormous uh Iron Man becoming a Iron Man 3 becoming like a billion dollar movie after the Avengers felt enormous for that solo superhero to be doing um and, and I think it's yeah everything after this I'm I'm slightly worried that I'm not going to care as much anymore <laughs> there is I mean in no, fairness. I, I get
1: that yeah. in fairness like if we don't care that's okay right we had 10 we had our yeah. 10 years
2: like i i yeah, made a joke absolutely. somewhere i mean I, I would i would apologize to our listeners if that, if that does i happen. can't
1: remember where <laughs> i said this but i made a joke about like how you know are you gonna give a shit as much in you know end game 2 when the fucking eternals are meeting the master of kung fu maybe we won't but the people who grew up with those characters will and that's fine like if we yeah. if we find oh I don't really care if, you know, Shang-Chi meets you know, Cirsey. Okay, it doesn't matter. As long as someone does. As long as the right people do.
2: <laughs> and I mean already already we've got characters that are gonna be around for that for that next phase of things that i mean i do i genuinely do care about dr strange and i want to see future dr strange movies and i de- I genuinely care about not just black panther but all of the characters in wakanda and i care about that that place i think tom um, holland
1: spider-man is who i, I come think that, out of these films most yes. wanting to see more of especially like spider-man yeah. in a world without tony stark
2: marvel and sony best re-up that contract yep. <laughs> you'll have to figure that one out um <laughs> And then you know, and then and then they do have the opportunity with the X Men and the Fantastic Four to introduce characters who have that cultural penetration already <laughs> that they can MCU if I. And yes, I think the MCU Wolverine is going to be something that people are.
1: Yeah, I mean, having having, having that made that crack around. about Chang Chi in the Eternals, actually, once they get around to MCU X Men, I'm I'm gonna and- care. I I will care.
2: And in the same way, James, I, know, I mean, I know that for you, probably Iron Man and Shang-Chi are not comparable, but for most people, Iron Man and Shang-Chi 15 years ago, you'd have gone, yeah, I wouldn't care about either of those if you do a movie about them, because I don't know who either of them are. <laughs> um, I'm, sure there are I'm sure there are people who are going to be caring about... And do you know what? We'll get sucked in as well. We're going to be here in 10 years talking about this, this same old nonsense. Um <laughs> But I'm I'm just I'm just so happy that they stuck the landing. For me, I know we talk about rankings every time we do this. Um, it might change with time. I, I've gone, I've tweaked my rankings list, kind of even in this last week as I've been rewatching the movies and kind of appreciation for some of them growing and other ones diminishing. I, it does. I feel so so satisfied by this movie. I feel so satisfied that it is grounded in character that it's grounded in emotion, that it feels like the right kind of payoff at the end of this period to these characters. It's it's, this is going to be one of the ones that I want to go back and rewatch. And it's, it's going to sit in my top. Yeah. At the moment it's, it's top two or three. I think, I don't know if anything will ever replicate the feeling I had walking out of the first Avengers movie. Um, but I just feel very, very satisfied from this, and to to close it, to close it on a moment that that pays off my my decade long love <laughs> of of Steve Rogers and Peggy Carter, and I I've spoken in the past about how the kind of the unrequited thing of that kind of w- was was what spoke to me a lot. But I kind of feel like they put us, they put them those characters and us through the ringer for long enough that I'm fine with it happening. <laughs> Okay, guys. So, any any final thoughts? Yeah, I mean, I, I think it is too
3: close for me. Um, you know, we are sort of, uh, as I said before, you know, well, now more than twenty four hours after me seeing it because we've been recording for three and a half hours. Uh, but I, I can't kind of place it in any kind of structure of <laughs> or ranking of where does it sit. I feel I still feel that about Infinity War. To be honest, I I, I think these two stand too separate. All I can say about it is that. Other than like some little niggly nitpicks we may have talked about, I can't see a way that this could possibly have delivered more satisfyingly on on a conclusion to these ten years than it did. Um, You know, it it, it just narratively and emotionally, and in just about every possible sense, you know, it, it just succeeded. It's just I'm I'm in awe of what it managed to do. And and what it managed to do is so enormous that any niggles that you might have over it, I don't really care.
1: Yeah, I mean, you can criticise some of the internal logic, or you can, you know, criticise some of the choices. But broadly speaking, it's not a film that does anything wrong, right? I mean, that's true of Infinity War as well, if you ask me. like it, There's no way you can look at what they were doing with Infinity War and say, oh, it could have been better this way.
2: Hmm. I think the only the only thing that stands out to me in Infinity War is the whole Thor subplot feels like just a how do we have a character doing something here. <laughs>
1: it the, is a bit like, Age
2: of Johnny, isn't it? Whereas, like,
1: okay, Thor, just off you go off and do this thing. thing.
2: The difference mm-hmm. is that Thor is more interesting now than he was back then, but there the doesn't feel like anything baggy in this movie, and this is a three-hour movie where. I mean, essentially the plot isn't... For a time-travelling movie, the plot doesn't feel that complicated and convoluted. It is, they kill Thanos, they figure out they need to go back in time, they go back in time, they collect the Infinity Stones, but Thanos follows them back in time, they have a big fight, and Iron Man clicks his fingers and saves the day. The fact that I can describe that Mm three-hour movie... In that simple way. And that means that the th- the actual three hours, rather than being filled with, like, plot nonsense... And exposition and McGuffins yeah. and... It's, yeah. it's not, it's filled with, it's, killed, it's filled with character it's
3: all, and, yeah, and, and emotion. That's the MCU all over. The, the MCU is about character, first and foremost. And this is why as well, just as, as one point, you were saying about, you know, it, it not kind of, sag, I've seen some people say they thought, like, the middle third is where it sags and drags. And I'm like, the middle third is where we got the 1970 sequence. That was, mm. that was this film more than at any other point doing what I wanted to see from this film, which was giving us satisfying character stuff that pays off (laughs) how we've seen these characters develop. Um, It was just, you know, it's the... You know, there's a temptation for people, especially people who aren't as invested in them, to say that, like, These films are only good if you like them already kind of thing and if you kind of already buy into that. And I don't think that's true in the sense of them being good because I just think objectively this is an outstanding piece of filmmaking. You know, what is so remarkable about these films is that they are able to draw on that investment that you have. And, and in film, that's really rare. You can have it in TV shows, so it shows. So you can have what Discovery has, you know, I'm not a fan, but I've read and seen and heard about what Discovery has done recently with what it's done with, like, Pike and the Enterprise and stuff. And so much of that plays on the, on the kind of the affection and the attachment that you have to that kind of wider world and that history. Doctor Who has always been able to do it really well. Um, You know, without just being a pointless nostalgia fest, it's about, you know, it knows how to get the emotional resonance out of the long relationship that you have with it. But film can't really do that because film series don't don't last that long normally. Yeah, there's only really James Bond and James Bond reboots so often that those nods are more. It's
1: not even that it it reboots though, is it? Like up until Casino Royale, everyone was essentially standalone.
3: Yeah. Exactly. They were never really. apart from the odd little reference, they were never really connected to each other. So yeah, they absolutely don't have what these films do. Um and it's, you know, and there's just so many of them like packed into that time frame as well. I mean it almost I I don't know if to any of you guys, it feels like it's been longer than ten years that this has all been going on, this has been a part yeah. of our lives. Um, you know, the fact that it was only well, it's eleven, isn't it? But you know, there's only like two thousand and eight with the first Iron Man. Um so much has just you know gone on in our in our brains and in our hearts over that period of time and this film knows that and it knows what buttons to push and it knows what we want with the exception of the the stucky stands that it's let down it knows what we wanted to see from it and delivered it
1: i feel like i need to mention one thing okay we haven't talked about tony's armor did you catch (laughs) what the the design was in this movie
3: the last chance we'll get go on
1: it was uh, explicitly referencing the 60s design so it was like entirely red torso red boots red gloves yellow legs yellow arms
3: i didn't even catch that
1: go I don't google think it think
3: now they tweaked him having a different armor for the fight because he spent so much of this film not in armor yeah you
1: don't really see it yeah. but the end game armor it's ex- it, like it's basically the sort of don heck look
3: nice yeah
1: shame they didn't give it a nose but... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we've been robbed of the nose armor. <laughs> I mean that said I can't believe that said in, in my armor rankings it's armor it's podcast. like second from the bottom because it looks stupid, but <laughs> <laughs> other than that. So there you go. That's the last time I'll ever talk about which design they use for Tony's armor. No
2: it's not. <laughs> <laughs> um yeah. So, do we do we want to do any recommendations? So, any uh, anything that you would recommend off the I back mean, of this? In, in just...
1: fairness, right, there's a there's a comic called Avengers Forever, which I may have mentioned, which is about a yes. group of Avengers like hitting the time stream to try and save the world. This film takes such inspiration from that. I can't believe that at no point in development it was called Avengers. It wasn't called Avengers Forever
2: it should have. it should have been
1: that should have been the name because that's the that's the plot they're doing but you know
2: is the comic good
1: It's okay yeah it's all right (laughs)
3: it's not as good as
1: this
3: (laughs) i think that's that's the issue with doing recommendations as well for the stage of the films is that you know these films aren't about the comics that they're comics in themselves yeah i mean they they have become comics in their own right
1: what i would say Um, about avengers forever is that if you read if you've been reading avengers for 30 years avengers forever is this kind of payoff it's like a celebration of the history of those characters and uh, you know it, it plucks different versions from throughout the time stream and then sends them around different points in avengers history it's so similar to this you know the Marvel reprinted Avengers Forever issue one as part of their like supporting comics for this movie. To get to get much okay. out of it you have to have read, you know, twenty year twenty, thirty years of Avengers comics, but other than that.
2: Cool. Okay. Um I, I will briefly mention um a book which um uh, I, I'm a big Stephen King fan, and without talking too much about the plot of this book, uh, the Stephen King novel 112263 which some people might know, is the uh, mm. the book about a guy who travels back in time to try and uh, stop and stop the assassination of JFK. I think I saw um, that in an episode of Red <laughs> <laughs> Um The uh, the book is is good, but with like most Stephen King novels. Um, that like what's really strong about it is the the characterization and the uh the kind of the relationships at the center of it and um all I will say is that the ending of that book and the ending of this movie kind of hit me in the same emotional place uh so if if anyone wants to kind of uh replicate the feeling they got at the end of this movie with Stephen Peggy I'd recommend I would recommend uh, 112263 guys can you believe this movie ended with that no, I still can. I still I said it at the start. I'll say it again. I still can't.
1: I absolutely can because it's just it's the logical end for Captain America. If you're if you're if you're stopping Captain America's stories, that's the ending for this character. Yeah, but yeah. I I, I, just... I actually
3: I actually just can't believe the movie ended that way. Not just that yeah. that was how they ended Cap's story, but that the final shot of the movie is the two of them <laughs> with that music playing. And then the way that, like, the font and everything of how the, the end title card and stuff comes up, I just, I can't believe that's how it can. Ended.
1: Can I you just... believe, actually, since, like, this is something we probably need to talk about, can you believe they didn't put a post-credits on it? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I can too. I can. But
2: <laughs> I'm glad that a par- they didn't. I probably would like to be... have
1: seen one, though, just to see, just to, for that glimpse <clears> of what they're thinking next.
2: Because they no, are thinking no, something no, no, next.
1: No, no, no. Like, there's no point pretending this is the last one.
2: Yeah, but James, like, let's preserve this experience for what it is, right? <laughs> the one the one thing that it does seem to have had the unfortunate consequence of is I've seen lots of reports on Twitter of ushers walking into the cinema and going everybody there's no uh, post-credit sequence Can you all leave now please we've got to have a screening skin here <laughs> yeah I, we got that we got like well one of the, i
3: heard someone who said we're not trying to rush you out just so you know there's nothing at the end right. i said yeah honestly yeah. that was a bit because there's been a bit of a a push and pull over this on social media of I've seen a lot of people going oh you've got to respect cinema workers and there's no post credits so that means leave as soon as the credits start and it's like no I want to watch no. <laughs> the credit
2: partly what I you've mean, got you've got to respect cinema
3: workers but not respect yeah, but partly, not respect all I wanted to sit there and see workers. my
1: friend's name
3: <laughs> well yeah there was there was an element of I wanted to see if Jamie got his credit for Captain Marvel which he did again but also I just like to I, yeah I'm not going to sit there and take in the names of every single technical computer artist on it but firstly I think it's just a mark of respect if you've enjoyed a film to at least sit there and let the names go past you and, and catch some of also
1: them. the best secondly, bit is the soundtracks films,
3: well there's the soundtrack and I like to see which comics people not just the ones I personally know but like which comics people get
1: credited mm-hmm. on a lot things. of them got credited it's on so
2: and I like to see who has the coolest signature. Well, yeah, that was good. <laughs> the, uh,
1: again, Mike Leader pointed out that's the Star Trek, the Star Trek six credits, autographing the autographing oh, really? the film. Yep.
3: Oh, is that where that comes yep. from? <laughs> nice. It's it's good though. It's a really nice touch. Yeah. Um, but yeah, no, I just think I, you know I'm, I I get the point about poor harassed cinema workers and stuff. Um, but. I don't think sitting there until a film has actually ended, like if if the films are that tightly scheduled back to back that it's a problem, then that's the cinema's fault. That's not the punter's fault. As long as I'm not sitting there throwing rubbish everywhere or that you know I'm clearing up after myself and being polite, of course I can stay there. I mean, as I say, this this wasn't an issue in the cinema I went to. It's just people on Twitter I've seen saying that you shouldn't watch the credits of a film, which just
2: staggers me. I, the one takeaway I've got from this podcast is I'm much more content with my Twitter feed than I am with yours. So. <laughs> oh, no, this wasn't people I follow. This was when I clicked through to yeah.
3: throw on a moment and stuff. The moment that contained uh, Ali Gray Shiznit's tweet about, I sat through 12 minutes of credits of Infinity War and all I got was a, a respect for the thousands <laughs> of people who worked yeah. hard on the movie. <laughs>
2: So that is it for our epic Avengers Endgame podcast. Um, If you enjoyed the show, then please do subscribe on iTunes, Stitcher, Player FM, Spotify, Overcast... Or your podcast app of choice. Um, apparently, half of our podcasts have been restored to the feed after Endgame, so that's uh, <laughs> that's encouraging. They've been missing for a year. Uh, you can support us on Patreon at patreon.com forward slash Universe, uh, where you can now hear us ad-free. Um, and uh, you can find more episodes of the show at cinematicuniverse.com. You can get in touch via Facebook, on Twitter, at cine underscore verse, or send us an email to editorial at cinematicuniverse.com. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next week. Goodbye. Goodbye.